and uh, we we're in the game, man. Uh, welcome to Couch Command, episode two. Oh, right, um, two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah. Zero one. The third two. one. The sequel. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, the threequel. <laughs> episode two. And where we do a journey into geekness. I think that might be our catchphrase. Journey and into um, and uh, we'll be reviewing the movie Dune. With me today, I have Vangelis. Hi, I'm going to reveal something right now, Keith. Did you know <clears throat> that uh, that last night slash this morning is the first time I've ever watched any cut of Dune in its entirety? Oh my god. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> okay, also with us I have Sabrina, the Void Cat Gamer. Hello, I'm back. You can find me always on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, at that exact place, Void Cat Gaming. I uh, was very surprised to discover that I had more history with this movie than the rest of y'all, except maybe Keith. So, like, all right. I- I'm excited to cool. see what, we- what we're doing today. I'm a Dune baby. <laughs> then also we have... Matt the Doc Falconer. Hey, uh, yeah, I think this is also the first time I saw this movie. I thought for sure. Ever? I'm pretty sure. I've read the book Woo! twice, and I think for, I've forgotten it both times. But I think <laughs> I think my memory of having seen the movie was just wanting the toys when I was a kid. Okay. Huh. Uh, all right, yeah. Um, I guess we'll get into Duning and our histories with it, or, you know, short histories with it. Uh, once we do that, but first, let's, uh, Matt, what have you been geeking on lately? Uh, you know, not as much as usual, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I've just been generally been distracted, but I, uh, now that Cobra Kai is on Netflix, <laughs> oh, yeah. I've started to watch it again, because I watched most of the first season on YouTube, I think with you, Keith, one of the times I was in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and man, it, I, I love it so much. Dude, yeah, uh, it 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 touches my heart. I, I it made me ugly cry once and mm. just um, pleasantly cry another time. It 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 cares so much about like I didn't I I never thought of a Karate Kid world, mm. but they did it and it's real. It's got heart and uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I just I mean this is like one of the most obvious things about it, but I just love that they they're not making an obvious villain. You know, they're ev- yep. it's just like everybody has the reasons and the purpose behind what they're doing, and everybody's just trying, just trying the best they can. That's all it is. I usually hate that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm in. I love my. Oh my god, damn this! I, so you know, you know, people put like videos on uh, on uh, Facebook, and then it has that jump scare at the end that you don't know is coming. Yeah. That just happened to me just now, so I should why? not be looking at my screen. Wait, Sorry about why that. Why are you looking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, Focus it, on, just on the screen. Keith. Focus on us. Yeah. We're doing a I've podcast. I've never seen a screamer on Facebook before. This is actually news to me. <laughs> it was a TikTok video. What's that up in the crawl? Oh my god! Anyway, um, <laughs> don't know. Uh, but oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I like my bad guys bad. I like if they're evil. And I want to see them get their, the shit kicked out in the end, and I want to be glad it happened, and I want to hear about their sob story. And I don't want to sympathize with them. I hate when, like, great bad guys turn around and become good. But this, like, Johnny, I love him now. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved him as a bad guy. I loved hating him. But here, it's just like, you know, what can happen to you? You feel that, let that much hate rule your life, where that hate can come from. And, like, the humanity he has, where the discipline he's had that's kind of created some of his cruelty was also him protecting himself. And then now it's trying to teach others to protect themselves and like even though like i think some of his lessons could be bad 
he's teaching a young man who is a good kid who is taking some of Johnny's bad lessons but turning them into good and they kind of make each other better. It's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So Yeah. Um I'm just really Sorry. no, hey, no, that's all right. Uh, well said, Keith. Um <laughs> What you been geeking on? Well, <laughs> Let me tell you about it. Anyway. Keith, you say as if that's unusual, and that's not like the entirety of what happened in episode zero, where we'd be like, we did this thing, you're like, I got you into it! Let me tell everyone how great it is! <laughs> Sorry! I don't mean to, Mr. Fredo. I don't mean to. Uh, you're just a giant nerd like the rest of us, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. you know, yeah, you, you get excited, and that's great. That's the whole point of geeking out. Um, and I think that what you said was well said, and it's probably very, very similar to what I would have said. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and I really, I like the, their artful use of um, nostalgia with it, with, I think, without going overboard. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, what you said, honestly. But uh, besides that, yeah, uh, I'm not kicking on a whole lot at the moment, but uh, looking forward mm-hmm. to talking about Dune. Cool. All right, Void Cat, uh, what have you been geeking on lately? Um, yeah, I haven't really had as much time to geek out as I would like lately. Um, I've been studying for my LSATs, plus, like, trying to write something. Um, and, uh, you know, with the streaming and me prepping tabletop every week, pretty much that's all my time, uh, just tabletop stuff. I finally started watching Umbrella Academy Season 2, but I'm only a couple of episodes in. So far, I like it. Um, there's a, there's a couple of storylines that I'm a little mm, unsure about. But aside from that, uh, most of my creative energy I've been like that I have extra. I've just been rewatching um, Stargate Atlantis with my uh, Twitch people, friends, uh, community, whatever the word there is, friends. Um, so actually, um, I guess I'm back on the Stargate Atlantis boat. You just finished it, right, Keith? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Hey Keith, that wait, was like Keith, what are you geeking on? Is it Stargate Atlantis? It would be Stargate Atlantis. I oh my god. Yeah, that was that was such a trip. Um I'm so glad you and so many people pressured me to get into Stargate. Um last night was my last time in Atlantis. It was like the last day of school. It was just <laughs> No God damn yeah, like, it, it was like... It's such an abrupt uh, season, like, finale, too. Yeah, um, it was like, uh, you, you you sit around and you're like, oh, man, there's nothing on, or I can't figure out what to watch. And then, like, yeah, I finally, you know, settled upon Stargate, and then, like, and at first you're intimidated to get into it, because there's just a million episodes, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my God. But then, like, it being a million episodes is kind of a comfort thing when, like, whenever you're, like, bored, or whenever you want to watch something, hey another new adventure right there mm-hmm. until they're not anymore so they're just not new anymore the adventures are still there you can come back whenever you want i rarely do rewatches i right, i like not right. knowing what the mystery is going to be at the end that's fair um but yeah that was that was fantastic um stargate is up there with farscape star trek any of the best tv shows i've ever seen mm. uh, at least stargate atlantis stargate sg1 um you'll have to watch I universe before you can make a decision about that one <laughs> Oh, yeah, not looking forward to Universe, which does the grim and gritty Battlestar Galactica style of sci-fi, which, eh, it can work, but Stargate Atlantis is already working amazingly. Yeah, tell so. me about it, Keith. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was wrong. I made fun of it. I dogged on it. I, <laughs> I may have even chuckled at hearing it was getting canceled because I was a snob. Because I, I was like, why do you get to go on while Farscape got canceled? This is not fair. The universe hates me. I don't want to hear anything. But yeah, I was wrong. I should have supported this show like many others. Thanks. This is satisfying mm-hmm. for me because uh, usually you're the one who's like, I introduced this person to this and now they love it. And then I could be like, ha, 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 Keith, you didn't introduce us that- to us. We introduced it to you. <laughs> that one's for you, Breen. Well done. Well done. That was Thanks. one of the greatest picks I can't, I've ever had. I can't take all the credit. Nope. No. Uh, yeah. There was like a couple years before like uh, I heard your enthusiasm uh, I, I, there was, I, I went online, I was like, Facebook, I was like, uh, can someone recommend that someone that has all the things that Stargate has? I didn't know Stargate had it. And there are people like, Stargate, Keith, yeah, you want to check out Stargate? I'm like, eh, I don't want to check out Stargate. <laughs> but, yep, that, that, that was a good so Sometimes the people on the internet know what they're talking about. Sometimes. Yep, yep it's a good call. Take everything with a grain of salt, though. Um, what do you, what, if, what else are you uh, looking about? Um, one of the other things I wanted to geek about was, uh, my final trip through the No Retreat, No Surrender saga that I found out fully existed this year. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, uh, back in the 80s, uh, Karate Kid happened, then knockoffs happened, and there was, uh, No Retreat, No Surrender, the first one, which was a kid, uh, fights Jean-Claude Van Damme, who's his bully. <laughs> wow. And it was Jean-Claude Van Damme's first movie, and, um, but... To train to fight Jean-Claude Van Damme, the, the ghost of Bruce Lee appeared to him in his uh, new house that he just moved into. Wow. And it's yeah, so um yeah <laughs> as as you do. Um and the this the this bizarre, crazy knockoff premise, um because of Cobra Kai and me kind of remembering, oh shit, I used to love the genre of cheesy martial art movies. I got into that, and then um I, I noticed, like, wow, the fights are amazing in this. What the hell? I, I forgot that, like, you know, Karate Kid has good martial arts. Um, no Retreat, No Surrender has amazing martial arts. And it's because, like, it has, like, a lot of, uh, like, a Hong Kong crew in the background that you don't know what's happening. And then they, uh, then my friend Lee B. Golden of uh, FilmCombatSyndicate.com, uh, he's like, Keith, check out these movies. And then I found out, like, all these other movies were also called No Retreat, No Surrender. Like, they have this, their one name, but then they're also really says No Retreat, No Surrender 2, 3, and 4. And the last one was uh, The King of Kickboxers, which has uh, martial art um, classic star Billy Blanks in it. And, oh, like, I've seen that the fight one. scenes. Oh, my God. The fight scenes were amazing. A long time ago. Uh, yeah. Great training, training sequences. And, like... Uh, Doing one of the favorite things I, I I love in like a finishing move in fighting where the good guy is you know taking out all his aggression of life in the final four blows and this is for this person you kill bam this is for the best person you hurt boom and this is for taking my life away and this one last roundhouse kick was send the guy spinning and like the kid does the pose as the guy goes down I was like oh my god and then I found out that it's also called No Retreat No Surrender 4 Keith you finished the journey I'm like oh my god <laughs> So I want that to have been yeah. the late title card like right as the end credits it's like by the way <laughs> part 4 ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so nice. that is also what I've been geeking on that I've been having some fun with my dork. I, I think some I think if it ever could get to them, there are probably some folks who worked on movies in the nineties who would be over the moon to hear you refer to it as the No Retreat, No Surrender saga. 
<laughs> um, I, I don't doubt it. Like, they're all on YouTube. Um, there's such forgotten classics that no one ke- seems to care anymore, and you just click them up on YouTube. So I also, yeah, I always feel like Billy Blanks is a dude who should have had. It's like he didn't get to have the Don the Dragon Wilson VHS career, and he probably should have had mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, recently, by cosmic coincidence, as I finally got to uh, Indian Saga, like, I forget the name, the star of the show, but Scott Adkins, he's a prominent martial oh, arts yeah. action guy lately. He's been doing, he's got a YouTube series where he's been just going to all of his heroes that inspired him to get into the, into the game, and the star of uh, King of Kickboxers. Now he's he's got a dad bod and some gray hair and like like the, he he did an interview with this guy and like he got tears in his eyes when Scott Atkins just started geeking out going yeah like yeah the acting was bad but that didn't matter like you touched my heart and like I've never forgotten you I was like thank you and um he he said and Billy Blanks is the greatest fighter I've ever been in a movie with so yeah Billy Blanks uh, only known for Taibo yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know that Billy Blanks did anything but Taibo. I oh. had no idea until just now. Yeah, he was, to me, uh, before he was Taibo, uh, he's been cheesy action star, or, you know, yeah, he never got to be Don the Dragon Wilson, but he's always in there. Wow. I, when I was in high school, we ended up with a VHS tape of a Billy Blanks um, starring role, I can't remember what it's called now, and I think he fights Kerry Hasegawa, uh, Shang Tsung, in that one. Ooh. And it's Ooh. it's a really dumbass movie that's like trying to kind of be like Kickboxer One kind of, mm-hmm. uh, and the acting's really bad. Billy Blanks is great because he's got an incredible look and really good skills, and he is an awful actor as like an everyman protagonist. <laughs> like it just doesn't work. <laughs> just be a stupid uh, man. Yeah, he's he's trying to be like a humble, you know, local martial arts instructor, and it just comes off like like he's reading the script out loud. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's he, um now I love him uh nostalgia and all and like knowing that like he's like you know touched people's hearts and he's a pretty great man but he looks like a monster like he he's a, he's a vicious looking guy yeah and when he takes on the screen like he he's the he's the you wish you could fight somebody this tough and, the, and yeah I can't see him as an every man be kind of weird the weird thing about the movies even in the action like I if I this is a long time ago so I might be misremembering stuff. Uh, cause I mean, I can't remember the name of the movie. I just remember, st- I remember Go is the game of warriors, uh, chess uh-huh. is the game of politicians and businessmen. And I remember that some guy gets his tie snipped by scissors and he goes like, that was an expensive tie. Those are the two things I mostly remember. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a fun movie though. Well, I, I also, uh-huh. I feel like that Billy Blanks' action was even directed to be more like an everyman protagonist. And it just comes off super weird. Cause he looks like he can kick your ass. And then they're yes. trying to have him be the underdog in a lot of the fights. <laughs> mm, cool. And it's like really hard to buy. <laughs> right. Yeah. In King of Kinkboxers, um, he comes out on the screen. He's got like these two tassels and like no shirt and some yellow pants on. And he's just like this vicious man. And um, I posted up on Facebook and like found out that that is where DJ from Street Fighter comes from. What? Ah. Yep. So yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Big Blank says. Uh, touched a lot of hearts. <laughs> People who don't even know it. They even made a Street Fighter movie when Billy Blanks could have been DJ. <laughs> they cast nobody who should have been in there. <laughs> Not a- <laughs> <laughs> like, I will, alright. Everyone- alright, no, no, no. I will make an argument for the miscast, but still beautifully cast, Raul Julia. 
is M. Bison. Oh, no, oh, no, yes. we're talking about the guy who played DJ in the movie, who I actually can't remember. Oh, no, I thought uh, I thought Keith just said that nobody was in the entire movie. We, 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 even... Even while Julia should not have been cast he, as that, although he was amazing, right. and God bless him. For okay, that. so you were saying that not a single person was cast properly. Correct. <laughs> oh, I thought that they but cast Ryu. One okay. person did a great. Job. I thought Ryu was all right. You know, I agree with that. Uh, Ryu wasn't bad. Also, I'd stand up for Zangief. Zangief had a good casting. My problem with Ryu is I found him forgettable when he should have been the star. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I in the script, yeah. But like casting wise, I feel like that guy could have been a a '90s action lead. Like yeah, if you removed Jean Claude Van Damme uh, from the movie. <laughs> yeah, but like you should have. totally. Well, I think but. I think hey, uh, him not being the star, kind of like going along with what you're saying, Vangelis, like isn't the actor's fault. It's the script. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, yeah, when he script. does the, I, f- I forgot which movie does, but when he does the one move in the movie, it was pretty cool. <laughs> the Hadouken was it the Hadouken he did? I can't remember. He he does a cheap. Uh, it's all cheap. He's close. He's he's really close, and he does Hadouken, but it's more of like he punches the it's guy. Like a and double a palm that happens. Yeah, like a double yeah. palm hit. I, yeah, it's like that's kind of it's kind of cool in that like that's probably the closest to what Hadouken would be, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, always I mean, I'm always ready to. to oh, sorry. Good. Good. Oh no, no. I mean, I uh, Giles' flash kick was good. I think he only oh, did. Yeah. It. He was when he was fighting Bison. He had an excellent flash kick. All right. Uh, so there was that, but yeah, for the most part, the moves that yeah, the uh, evangelists. Yeah, I think a lot of times they were trying to represent the moves and what would they be like in the real world in this completely unrealistic movie. Like, yeah. no, just go ahead and shoot a fireball. It's fine. Just do it. The things I'm seeing. Uh, um, sorry, I'm not distracted. I am listening. And are you, you watching, watching more? more are you watching more? No, no, no more scary stuff. Outside my back door, a a spiderweb floated by. And I saw the spider floating on it as if he's like flying, and then suddenly get pounced on by a fly, and they both like oh went God. to the ground. Wow! But tackled each. That spider's been waiting and all his life to get that fly. That fly killed his father. <laughs> 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 they went down fighting together. I don't know what happened there. Wow. So anyway, um, but uh, I do plan to re- revisit Street Fighter and like other bad movies like that, like uh, Double Dragon Oof. and Super Mario Brothers, because I think they've aged well. You think uh, so? Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers, I would say yes. Street Fighter, I'd say if you like the performances, one hundred percent yes. I never saw Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was pretty bad. Yeah, I think I saw Double but, Dragon once, and I remember really disliking it. Is it worse than the D and D movie? No, no. Oh, that, that but that boy. movie has Ray Liotta like trying to say D and D stuff while sounding like Ray Liotta. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I don't like a lot of Ray Liotta roles. Actually. <laughs> Man, that D and D movie. D and D. That was oh, such a. That was a. That was so embarrassing for me. Oh. Um, I was like, I, I was following every week of production news and telling my friends about the greatest movie that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, and like, no. guys, you gotta see this. And like, I got to know about the director, and I was like, guys, oh my god, this is gonna, forget about Lord of the Rings, okay? Forget about that. Okay. Forget about it. I, I, this is yeah, true okay. story. I was like, Lord of the Rings. We've seen that before, okay, guys. It's not going to be mean, that special. Dungeon and Dragon. It was though. <laughs> yeah, it was. You hadn't seen it before. Ray Liotta in wizard robes, just going like, I can't remember any of his lines. Actually, I was, <laughs> was going to try to throw it out. I can't remember. Straight any. up, can't remember any lines. I just remember he sounded really funny with a lot of his lines because he sounded. <laughs> you mean let the? Or are you talking about Jeremy Irons? 
I thought Ray Liotta was in it. What am I thinking of? I thought it, it, it's Jeremy Irons, and he really goes, let their blood rain from the Wait, skies. Was amazing. What are you talking about? I wonder why I don't like Ray Liotta. Then, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I mixed up Dungeons and Dragons with the Uva Bolt 2007 movie in the name of the King, a Dungeon Siege tale. Oh, okay, God. okay. That's also a terrible mm, movie. Okay. <laughs> I definitely didn't see that one. But I don't know how those two movies got crossed together in my head. I mean, they're they're both pretty. They're bad. both kind of medieval fantasy movies, and they're both god awful. It's got some great Ray Liotta in it. My apologies to Ray Liotta for attributing you to Jeremy Irons. My apologies to Jeremy Irons for attributing Ray Liotta to your fine work in <laughs> when, they, when they both in, when they, when they both inevitably listen to this podcast together <laughs> simultaneously in the same room. Uh, absolutely, yes. Um, Over a glass of scotch. Over a I glass of scotch. You're right. They're gonna, they're to gonna feel to so bad. I, I apologize to them both as well. <laughs> Holy shit, they're talking about us! <laughs> I can't believe it! We've made it, Ray! We've made it. Oh, they're strangely the good at predicting the future. In the name of the king, colon, a dungeon siege tale is pretty darn worth watching with a group of friends when you can also just turn the audio commentary on at some point and stop watching the movie. Hmm. Ooh. Uh, it's from that era. There's an era in the 2000s of Uva Bowl movies where the audio commentary is Uva Bowl with, um, it's, it's sometimes it's the first one was, I think, uh, that zombie movie. It's Uva Bowl and two of the producers and Uva Bowl is super into the movie and the two producers are basically making fun of him for the whole commentary and he doesn't Aww. get it. Oh, what? Uh, <laughs> that sounds fun. Well, th- then as his commentaries go on, like less and less people are in commentaries with him. Like, there was one for Blood Rain, which had some of the actors in it, and you can almost audibly hear them fall asleep, or, like, oh, man. just they, they check out. And by the last 20 minutes of that commentary, it's just Uva Bowl on his own. Uh, and then there's one, I think it was for the horror movie in the museum, I forgot what it was called, it was, like, like pitch black, but not pitch black. Uh, it's Uva Bowl, and he spends most of the commentary talking about how mad he is about other movies that didn't go well, and occasionally you hear two dogs, and he's like, yeah, I was walking my dogs before the commentary, and so I just brought them in with me. What? Damn. And it's it's like, the, it tur- wow. if you listen to all of them, they become this progressive Uva Bowl podcast from when he still had this notion that he was genuinely the good side of the story, that he was the director and everyone else didn't get it. Uh, it's fascinating. I, I like There's movies of his where I didn't watch the movie, I just we just turned on the commentary, and it was like a comedy. Wow. Uh, Sounds... Fascinating. It really, that really is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out. Probably. Uh, it's it's amazing. Just when you hear other people in commentary with him and how much they like, just don't either don't like him or don't care that he's there. And he's got no idea. He's really like, what was it? The one he did with uh, with Ben Kingsley. I forgot which movie that was. He had like oh. the soundbite about how it was an honor to work with Ben Kingsley because Ben Kingsley is such a good actor that Ben Kingsley told him to not direct him. Ouch. Uh, and Uva Bowl was like such a compliment to give me. <laughs> oh no! Ooh! Wow! There's it's, some, there's it some sucks. lack of self investigation there. <laughs> it sucks that Uva Bowl ended up actually being kind of a garbage person because, like, there once upon a time was the story of this really well-meaning, completely like inadequate director for whom like the world was kind of just dancing around him. <laughs> uh, I I only saw the dead. What's it? What's the gun game? Oh, the zombie um, one. Du- not yeah. Something of the House of the Dead. There yeah, you go. I saw that. I saw that, and I was blown away by how like bad it was. Because um, <laughs> like you, you, you hear like the legends of it's so bad, uh, but then like it, it's it's far worse than you can imagine. 
and I, my my jaw went slack. Like there was like a section in the movie where people are running backwards and shooting at zombies, and then for no reason, cut to just gameplay. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or ca- that's not that doesn't match up with the scene, but it's just gameplay of the, the of the game. Then go back to the movie, and, and, and there's, it's just like there's characters who don't wow. die on screen, but when they die, it cuts to like a, a circling dolly shot of them in a dark background that says like "game over" or something. Ugh. Oh my god. Uh, Jesus, it was amazing. I, I just wow. like how do you? Yeah, you can't do. You can't try to do that bad. If, if it was that amazing. if that dude had had become humble and self aware, I think that his movies would have been really fun to go back to. But instead, it's mm-hmm. it kind of just sucks. Like I have my good memories of those audio commentaries. But. Hmm. Ah, well, speaking of audio commentaries, Vangelis, what have you been geeking on? Oh, geez, uh, Uva Ball audio commentaries. <laughs> uh, I got I got stuff I'm about to to geek on. I guess there's a bunch of things I want to watch that that uh, that I haven't yet. Like new season of Agretzico, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to watching that. Uh, on the sad side of Netflix news, they confirmed that Altered Carbon is done because Netflix sucks, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and, and all good things have to die uh, before their time. Um, I really like Altered Carbon. Uh, for various reasons, mm-hmm. um, I'll be going I, back to finishing that. The, the second season is is really worth watching, along with the first season. And the anime prequel was actually pretty good. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, they did an so anime did an anime prequel, and uh, I, I found the English dub was not amazing. However, there is a hidden gem in the English dub that I wish you could weave into the Japanese language audio track. Um, hmm. which is they got a guy to play a, to play. Um, an AI character who runs an establishment, and it, they they grabbed a certain actor from the live action series who would be perfect for that, and he does a very good job. Um, but I had a birthday, and then I also bought a bunch of Transformers. Hey, so that's primarily sweet. what I need to be. Hey, birthday! What did you get? Transformers. Uh, for my birthday, <laughs> I actually I only got Transformers trading cards because that game. Uh, I want to still collect all of it, even though it's been announced as uh, dead due to COVID. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. But I got me a box of the final wave. Uh, had a fun stream opening a bunch of that. Um, nice. I also got two board games, uh, very very high end board games by a guy called Vital Lacerda, whose games I've wanted to play since earlier this year when I got into all this. Uh, so I got a game called The Gallerist, wherein you're running an art gallery, <laughs> and you're uh, sending staff around to try to buy art for your art gallery, and you have to deal with like artists and whether or not they're present for doing signings and stuff. That's a board game? Yeah. Uh, it's like up to four players, and, and all of Vital Lacerda's games also have solo modes where you play against an AI called Lacerda. Um, so in The Gallerist, it's like a pawn who basically just like walks around occupying spaces while you're trying to do stuff. Um, just stands in your way. Like a Pretty cat. much. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's the game designer is just standing there staring at you whenever you want to do something. Like, no, I'm here. Like, but I need to go to that space. No. I'm going to stand in this doorway <laughs> whether you want me to or not. Welcome to What's my this game. game called? Uh, this is called The Gallerist. Um, it's all of Vital Lacerda's games right now get released by a company called Eagle Griffin Games, where they do uh, very expensive, very large box, high end releases. All the art is by this guy called Ian O'Toole. Uh, it has like like custom inserts and stuff. It's it's it's, it's really luxury stuff. But uh, I, I heard they were really cool games, and and I was eyeballing some of them. So my my fam. Got me that one, and another Vital Lacerda game called Lisboa, uh, which is really fascinating to me conceptually, because it's based on real history of this city called Lisboa, where in 1755, it suffered a massive earthquake, followed by a tsunami, followed by three days of fires. 
Um, so in the game, you're playing as a noble who's working with the Marquis and the church, because uh, that's who runs things in 1700s. Uh, to mm-hmm. You spend like a couple decades trying to fix the city in a way that also helps you as a scummy noble. Um, <laughs> so you're trying to, you're trying to make nice with the church and make nice with the marquee and do trading and stuff. So it's a, it's a super complicated looking game. It's very heavy stuff, but what's cool about it is it's really heavy, but the only things you do in the game is when it's your turn, you play one card out of your hand and you either put it on the board or you put it on your player board. Mm-hmm. And that's technically all you're doing, but then there is an, en- an enormous flow chart of effects that happen depending where you play it and what the state of the board is. Yes, hmm. I love complicated board games. I didn't know I did until I like got into playing some solo ones and I noticed mm-hmm. like like I was playing some of the the heavy solo euros and I was like I actually like this. Uh mm-hmm. so then I looked at this Vital Lacerda stuff and I was like I think I, I think I want to. And I I also have an attraction to games that that pull from real history that are not straight up like like GMT war games. Oh yeah. Uh like there's another one. Um, I think GMT actually was a collab with them, but there's two games which are based on the uprising in Budapest, uh, and it's like two different games. One of them is you is you're the the rebels as you're you're causing the uprising, and it kind of plays a little bit like Pandemic, um, where you're like running around the board and trying to trying to hide and, and catch stuff. And then there's a follow up mm-hmm. game. It's called uh, it's called Days of Fire and Nights of Ire. I think are the two games. Uh, so one game is the uprising and then the other game is more like a war game, uh, where it is when the Russian army comes to step on the uprising. And that game is interesting in that the win condition for the rebels is not whether you win or lose, the rebels will be quelled. So their win condition is to get enough word out to the world of what's happening to turn the world against the fascists, basically. Yes, I love it. Holy Jesus. Okay. I'm looking at the Lisboa and like what comes to my mind is like, like where does that creative process start with that person? That's where they're like, you know what needs to happen? Cause I'm sick of this game not existing and in art galleries or, or, or revolutions and complexity and someone yeah, I'm seeing someone's passion explode here, but well, wow, well, I yeah. don't know how, like, how but, that starts. Like the Lisboa Manual is like full of just straight up historical anecdotes as well, and like some of the rules in the game, like will have a footnote going like this rule works like this because in the history, this is what things were like. Uh, there's even like Love like it. there's there's like there's like <laughs> a little little blurb where they're like the you know the the currency in the game is is uh, I believe it's called Reese or in plural like real or something like that. No, it's mm. real and then in plural it's like Reese. And it tells you how to pronounce it, and that like yeah, this is the this was the 1700s uh, currency in in uh, in Portugal. Yep. Um, this really cool stuff. I believe Vital Lacerda is Portuguese, if I recall correctly. So it was like a, a personal project for him. Uh, like other games he has that I'm looking at are he's got a game called On Mars, which is uh, a Mars game, and ever a lot of people like a game called Terraforming Mars. It's great. But- on Mars is like a f- way more intense thing where like there's two different, there's the surface of Mars and there's the space station. And those are like two different sectors on the board that have multiple sectors inside them. Uh, and then there's, he's got another game that's, uh, that's out. It's very popular called Kanban where you're running a car manufacturing facility and <laughs> they've got a, an Eagle Griffin super version coming out soon. They got kickstarted some months ago called Kanban EV. And the guy who did those, um, games about Budapest 
is doing the solo mode for that game, and that guy David Turchi is also really good. So anyway, it's a whole thing that I've only actually been into for the period of lockdown so far. But the period of lockdown <laughs> is increasing every single month. So uh-huh. <laughs> more knowledge you've, that's that's you've been into my head. it for a while now, and it's it's not how long you've been into it, but how much time you've spent on it. Yeah, and lockdowns felt like years, and so it's technically like I've been spending years <laughs> slamming my head into this stuff. But I, I like I do recommend if any of this sounds interesting to anyone, like like look up uh, one player guild on Board Game Geek, look up solo board gaming on Reddit, look look up solo board gaming on YouTube. You'll find tons of stuff. Um, is fascinating stuff in there. Uh, but uh, I, I also got some robots, and I had a I had a Twitter thread go apparently. It has triple digit likes, so I call that viral. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I got so Mastermind Creations has an offshoot line called Ocular Max. What Ocular Max is? These are guys who make uh, what they call the third party transformers, which is IP mm-hmm. infringing transforming robot toys uh, that are as physical objects. They are designed from the ground up. As artistic objects, they are fully pulling from the transformers intellectual property unofficially. Uh, I, I go at length about that because I, I bristle a bit when they're put in the same space as knockoffs. Cause I feel that knockoffs that crib full on physical engineering are a different thing, but that's just me and my nerdism about that. Mm. Uh, okay. illegal transformers, but, uh, the, the ocular max is currently doing, um, some, some combaticons, which are five evil dudes who turn into the, the combiner Bruticus. And right now the, the lead <clears throat> name on a lot of the ocular max stuff is a guy called Alex K Alex Kubalski. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had pulled pork. <laughs> I had that pulled pork throat. <laughs> Let me take a sip of this pulled, pulled pork, pork water. Mm. <laughs> Meat juice. Uh, it's water. It's water. <laughs> you know what? Pulled pork has water in it. It's technically the same thing. Um, True. So Alex Kubalski actually worked on Transformers. He, uh, I know for a fact he worked on Transformers Animated. And it's weird. He's actually done an interview about his work outside of Transformers and on Transformers. It's, it's not common to actually be able to ascribe names like that to stuff on the unofficial level. Uh, so he's spearheading, I believe that's the right term. Not, he's not the only one working on it. There's also like Griffith and engineering. There's, there's other folks working on this, but uh, Alex K brings a certain sensibility, a transformation that I like, which is like, like what I call flow. Uh, mm-hmm. Ocular Max put out a G1RC, which I think is still my favorite transforming toy of the last five years. Whoa. Uh, in that it, it pulls off the impossibility of the G1RC car mode and robot mode uh, in a way that actually is kind of fun to transform and looks good in both modes. And RC is like fig arts posable in robot mode. Damn, um, I see it. Yeah. I'm looking so at this now too. <laughs> yeah. She, she, she's got, yeah, as, she's got as, flow. As, like as a cartoon, I remember just thinking, huh, that's never going to happen. She, she is what and I, she's is. what I would call a bad transforming robot design from the eighties. And it, it's amazing that like, there's a fun toy of it that exists. Like there, there are toys that exist of it and they're almost always compromised horrifically to achieve being like a curvy robot woman with no car parts who has a car that like, that like gets eaten by her entire backpack, basically. Yep. It's yeah, uh, backpack former. Like there's, there's actually been a push this year, uh, many years it happens, but this year, especially there was a push on, on social media for a couple of days of like, let's all just come up with better RC designs where like <laughs> she has, she has mass for instance, or where like her feet aren't smaller than her head. Cause that always seems to happen. So toys of RC often are impossible to stand up because it's like this lithe, tiny robot woman with a huge backpack. Like it, it it's un- 
unpleasant to work with on a physical space. Uh, so this Bruticus, the, the big draw for me, among other things, is that it's called the all built in combiner. So what they're trying to do is that when these five guys combine, usually the feet and the fists and parts of the torso, you'd add on after you put the five masses together. Uh, so this set, they're trying to have everything built in. So the guys are turned into arms. The, the Bruticus hands are built into them. Uh, same with the feet. Uh, the torso guy basically has in another, another entire torso contained inside of his body. Um, so I got three of them. I got the torso guy and the two arms. So I was, I was having some fun yesterday. Uh, cause they also designed him so you can just smack the arms onto the, the main guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he just picture has appeared in Discord. That is incredible. It's got a caption with it. Uh, he- <laughs> <laughs> beefy ass arms. He's got good, he's love got a good it. silhouette. If you scroll love, down, I got, love, love. it went a bit farther. I was really proud actually of the fourth picture in the series. Uh, cause it's a good muscle man pose. And I like the idea of him pulling this huge muscle pose and going like, individual consumer action is a drop in the bucket at the foot of the throne of systemic corruption, dweeb. <laughs> uh, dweeb. But uh, I've, I've been having a lot of fun with those. Um, I got to, I also got like some, I got some new Transformers Transformers. They got a whole bunch of, uh, of generation selects that are showing up in EV games here. So they're like, uh, repaints with new heads, kind of botcon style exclusives, but, but done more accessibly and better. Uh, and I, I've been picking some of those up. Another third-party transformer. Someone did uh, Minerva, the female headmaster from uh, from Master Force, uh, who came out in the states as Nightbeat. So this company called Fans Hobby did a version called Athena, which is a pretty fun toy with a couple problems. That uh, you know, definitely, I'm glad that when I opened the the parcel that came in, I opened her up and messed with her first because that parcel also had the two arm guys uh from this Bruticus, who are, I found way more fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, but I've been, been doing a lot of the toy stuff and, uh, and, and I, I barreled through Ultraman Z to catch up on that. Cause it's a cool, it's a good show with a good opening. Hell yeah. God, that opening just slaps. I think that's what the kids say. Slaps. Yeah, slaps. slaps. I've been saying that. You know, you know what I love is because that Ooh. show is airing simulcast on YouTube with chat replay, uh, you can even go and relive it. There's two things. A, the Ultraman Z chats are like at least quadlingual, if not more. Nice, which, cool. Which wow. I love. Like, there's constantly people complaining in those chats. Usually, and maybe it's because it's the only one I can read. It's usually people saying, "Can everyone please speak English?" Where I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, right." <laughs> uh, but it's 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 at least quadlingual of just people flipping out about Ultraman. And then whenever you get to the start of the the OP, in at least two the two languages I can read. When they hit the right part, there's a whole bunch of people, and I've done it, where they just go, Zeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee
in a great way. That Ultraman YouTube channel is beautiful, uh, not just for simulcasting yes. a show, but if you start digging into it, like they're they're putting up full episodes. They put up um, the last Sakamoto special, and they put up its English dub, which I didn't realize until I went to share the link and accidentally shared the English link off of a YouTube search. And then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so they, did you see the... Um Thanking the fans for like I think one million subs. Yeah, they, they, is out there. I think they got their they got their diamond plaque or whatever. And so they had Ultraman. Yeah. They had Ultraman, the Ultraman, uh, Man, Ma, Ultraman, yeah, Man Son, uh, Man Man Nissan, which is my favorite thing from Zed. Uh, he's in the land of light, and then the the plaque floats down. He's got his cape on and everything, and he takes the plaque. And he's oh. like, "Hey, everyone, thanks so much." And then all of the Ultraman in in like tons of different languages individually thank all their viewers in different languages. Uh, it was so Aww. heartfelt and beautiful. Like, right down to Ultraman yeah, all Reboot. These, like, classic. Like, Reboot thanking all the Malaysian the- fans in Malaysian, I believe. Uh, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, like, it is like, yeah, you get, like, all these classic Ultraman throughout all of, like, time, and then, like, each one of them saying thank you in different languages. Like, you get the English one, like, Think like I, I just yeah. When it happened in English, I was like, "Wait, what? Wait, what's happening here?" And then like yeah, and then like this language, this language is just like the music's playing. You're like, "Whoa!" That, like I, I, yeah, you can feel like we're all together watching it together. That last new generation cool. special that introduced reboot in uh, in live action, uh, mm-hmm. the English dub is not amazing, but it's better than you might think. And like if you've already watched it, go and give a go and give a view count to that English dub as well. Like. You know, show support to all of this. That channel is doing good work, and the more you dig in that channel, they even have like like for for little kids in Japan, they have bits with like Ultraman doing like early morning exercises. Yes, I love that. And and they've got like an Ultraman Z audio drama where all the visuals are still images over backgrounds, so it's basically a live action visual novel of like Ultraman Zero and Z. And it's not been closed captioned, so I don't know what they're saying fully, <laughs> but the aesthetic is like a visual novel. It's amazing. Uh, cool. And then the fun byproduct is when you have stuff like Ultraman physically accepting a YouTube plaque, people then, there's a, an image going around on Twitter uh, of, a, I think it was a Japanese fan, and you can tell from the graph, they were like, okay, if he's holding that plaque, and we know Ultraman is this big compared to a building, that means that that <laughs> plaque is actually this big compared to a building. So YouTube <laughs> sent them a gigantic awesome. plaque. <laughs> to which someone immediately responded with a screen crap from Ultraman Zed of Zed when he's human size and going like, or he did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Dorks. Okay, dad. <laughs> yeah. We're ruining it, man. But, but the math. Yeah. Um, apparently it's doing really well over there too. Um, like in this series, like the human team has like their own like giant robots based off of like, uh, classic monster robots, and um, those robots have been selling out. They just fly off the shelves. Like uh, there's Savinger and Wyndham, yeah, who was in that movie we did uh, the podcast for on HD Radio, and like I was a big fan of it. And like that Wyndham never came out, and finally Wyndham's come out, and then it's sold out. But um, as of last week, my buddy Danny in Japan, he's been like hunting Japanese toy stores for me, and he's like, "Keith, I got him!" And he like took a picture of like just a few <laughs> on the rack, and I'm getting my Savenger and Wyndham. So I'm part of the crowd going like Fig Arts, Savenger, and Wyndham when, because uh, <laughs> they're gonna sell out the moment they do them. Like they're <laughs> oh yeah, they're in the op, and everyone loves them. Uh, Are you gonna get the uh, King Joe custom? I've been eyeballing it because it looks like it's in scale to my Fig Arts. 
Uh, I don't usually do vinyls only because it, it, not, not for any like, you know, like angry reason. It's just like, it's one less thing to pursue. Um, but King Joe custom as a combining toy, I'm like, I don't think they're going to do a Goken of that. And I, I have solo Chagokin King Joe back in, in BC. Uh, that's my problem with this King Joe custom. Cause this King Joe custom, I think it's plastic and not a vinyl. No. And I want the vinyl. They'll do a vinyl though. Like they, I hope, but. I don't know if it, when that, oh, it, uh, it, uh, it's also in scale with the other vinyls. It is, yeah. So I'm not sure if it's in scale with the figure arts. Although the vinyls are, are a little taller. Yeah, they're, it's, it's, it's like, I'm okay with like a half head off on a lot of scale stuff. Um, cause I'm like, I'm like, perspective usually solves a lot of those problems, um, in, in photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like combining King Joe toys. Like those always make me happy. Uh, also, I, I, I went and did wiki diving because I enjoyed the King Joe episodes we had on Zed recently, like small spoilers mm-hmm. from several weeks ago, even though he's all over the episode promos. But that was also the first original alien they introduced in Zed, and I loved him. The Barbosa aliens or the Barossa aliens. The Barbosa. That was an ori- that was a new one created for Zed. Yeah, because I, I went to check because I was like, Zed's been using so much classic stuff, and this Barossa thing with all the spiral parts and like. You know, I, I like I like the fact that Barossa is like a scary ultra Q kind of alien until confronted by another alien, in which point Barossa just it turns out is like a little like for lack of a better term, pardon my language, a little shitbag. Like <laughs> like this little scumbag with a backpack full of swords who throws dirt in your eyes. Uh oh yeah. Like I love that he actually was kind of just a weed as as a fighter. And and then the the end reveal of like, you know, oh he said his his, his siblings are gonna come for you. It's like, and what? And they go to the Barossa planet, and it's just like a million Barossas going like, Who killed our brother? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh man, like he's already kind of he's he's basically like such a little rat bag. And then when he gets in his giant robot, he's all like, I'm an, an alien that's above you humans with your vocal cords. And so I'm like, no, when there's like 50 of them, they're totally going to be all like, you know, we are a uh, super society and we're, we are greater than your pathetic vocal corded organic whatever. And in the moment <laughs> Ultraman like corners one in a room, it's going to be like, I throw dirt in your face and I got 50 swords. <laughs> <laughs> Fights like a weenie. But yeah, yeah. Ultraman's has been killing it. Um. It's it's been fun getting right back into Ultraman and caring about giant monsters and going. So which vinyl do I want this week? Mm. <laughs> I mean, the, you're supporting the show in the way that they would like you to support it. Uh, mm. I, I appreciate also the simulcast. I, the th- specific things. I like how the simulcast has the commercials, but they're like, we don't need to close caption these. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's okay. You guys don't. You don't need to know these. It's fine. Yeah. You guys know you you know what you you know what you want to yeah, buy. Yeah, if 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 you can understand this it's because you can buy this in a toy store and if you can't, we already know you're going to figure out a way and you know, go to it, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Uh, but yeah, that's that's more or less what I've been geeking on. I got Oh, I can Coolio. I can flex mm-hmm. a thing actually briefly. I got another review sample from the Bumblebee movie of a cool sound wave and I'm looking forward to reviewing that. Ooh. Very nice. I should find you that photo. Looking forward to seeing the review. Yeah, it's from that DLX line I've been yelling about. Let me find you. First, I'll find you something horrible. This is for you, Keith. This is uh, my artistic piece of toy art that I did with Waluigi and Austin. <laughs> That's not it. Uh, this is with Waluigi and Austin St. John's head. Um, <laughs> it's a piece of... Austin St. John, also known as the original Red Power Ranger. It's a piece of art that I did. Um, oh, my God. Oh, boy. That is um, horrifying. Yeah, horrifying. It looks like word. something that you'd see on that freaking Hannibal TV show that was on What's My Time. I got a little carried away oh, yesterday. 
I got a little carried away last night. I was <laughs> I didn't sleep much and I was very productive and I was like I'm just gonna roll with the productivity vibe until I pass out. Uh but this is the Yep, that damage gonna be ooh, that's nice. zero. Wait, so you were doing this while you were watching Dune? Oh no no, I did all of this <laughs> and then I started to get sleepy and then I got a second wind and was like, I should watch Dune before I go to bed. <laughs> uh, Damn. I had to pause Dune a few times to go get like snacks. But uh mm. I did mm. watch it. And uh Does that sound wave transform? No, but okay. but he has an accessory in his chest. Oh. Re- referred to as foldable ravage. Nice. Uh, because third party licensed pieces like this, usually the caveat is because they're licensed, but uh, licensing the IP, the one thing they cannot do as products is be convertible, because that would be stepping on the toes of the license holder. Uh, so usually they're just action figures, but every now and then, usually with sound waves, that being twice, a third party licensed official sound wave figure will have a foldable accessory that goes in the chest. Uh, <laughs> so this Ravage, is right out of the movie, folds up into the shape of basically a, you know, a box. Uh, it looks like that little quadruped squashed up. Um, but it, it actually transforms a lot. Like I was surprised how much transforming it does for something by a company who don't do transforming pieces. Yes. Uh, anyway, that's all I've been geeking. I, I keep remembering things. And so before I remember another thing, I'm going to staple that mouth shut. Click. Actually, since I didn't, uh, I didn't say much about what I was geeking on evangelist, but you were saying reminded me of something. I actually, I bought a great big third party transformer. Um, oh. I got myself oh, yeah. a GT99 Rebuilder. Oh, is that the box set version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, basically Devastator? It's, it's Devastator. Yeah, and he's like 17 hmm. inches tall or something like that, and it just like takes over my entire shelf where I normally have like a bunch of smaller action figures. And it's big and ridiculous, and it's difficult to pose, and I'll probably never transform him out of Devastator mode. Uh, but it's really freaking cool looking. <laughs> This is specifically the Generation Toy version, which I got I got to borrow samples of the two leg robots because they were the first two who came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like this version because Generation Toy don't go for a slavish screen accuracy. They go for a very, uh, I would call 2000-style thick robot approach. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about beefy. accurate. Yeah, he's, he's real thick. Yeah, like they're kind of, all, all their parts, like even if you look at his fingers, you can see it even. Like everything's kind of just puffy. Yeah, uh, I, I, like I like that approach. Though. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's really fun. You know, I'm probably not going to buy anything like that for a long, long time. But it's uh, I don't know. I'd never bought an expensive third party transformer before, so I don't know. It's just kind of nice having one around, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's a cool design, and and I'm I'm glad they were able to to put out like this highly discounted box set because this, this thing's come out in a lot of colorways. This thing also, I think it's steel molds got stolen or something, because it's also been knocked off by, like, 15 different nameless companies. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I, I was glad they were able to throw this one out there, because as you can see, like, it's six robots that at the time would be sold for about 100 bucks each, and they're selling this box set for 375 uh, yep. It is, like, the third or fourth version, so it's not, like, a massive loss, I'm guessing. But Nope, and, that, uh, and that's exactly why I was able to get it, um, is because I actually found it down to, like, 270 and, oh, nice! Uh, yeah, and I was like, you know, did come, damn, dude, did it, <clears throat> did, did it come with a gaming mouse pad? You know, um, there were two versions: one that came oh. with the mouse pad, and one that didn't. And the one that came with the mouse pad was inexplicably a hundred dollars more expensive. That's um, a good mouse pad. Holy, <laughs> did you want to pay a hundred dollars <laughs> for a mouse pad? For a hell of a mouse pad, and. I, <laughs> 
I got the mouse pad anyway. <laughs> oh, I really want out. <laughs> Holy crap! I I want a picture of. Are, are you using it on your desk? Uh no, no, I'm not. It's it's, it's, it's packed away right now. I'm using my RGB Steel Series mouse pad because I'm so. <laughs> it's not a mouse pad gotcha. you'd even want. It really. I don't. I didn't. I. I. Yeah. I really didn't want the mouse pad, but I have it now. Uh, you, got, you can't use it because it would be unfair to everyone else in online gaming if you use that mouse pad because you'd just be crushing them. It's because of the hundred dollar mouse pad. pad. It's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. My 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 skills yeah. would become unfair, and yeah, I most no, nobody want to play with me anymore. Otherworldly, yeah. Exactly. So I, I I keep it stored away in a safe place where. <laughs> We're it's in a lockbox with you need you need two different people's <laughs> fingerprints and a third person's optic scan to be able to open that because that's only if like that's if the aliens come and like the world's burning and it's like it turns out gaming is the only way to save the world and you're like all right yeah <laughs> we got to we got to the hacker yeah we got to get the generation toy GT ninety nine reissue <laughs> uh, I thought those were destroyed it's the only way it's the last mouse pad ever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I'm saving it for that. Yeah, I, I did the same. Save the world. Save the mouse pad. Um, then oh, heroes. Uh, just yep. if, if if we're doing transformers, I do have to say thank you to Matt. Uh, life has been tough, and Matt sent me a transformer I I've always wanted since I was a kid. Uh, he sent me transformers. Was it War of the Primes or something? I think it's Generations. Is it Generations Swoop? Uh, he, like uh, that's the only Dinobot I've ever wanted, and thank you. Is that the one that can life. turn into a limb? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that series. A limb? Of, Holy yeah, crap. that series of, tra- of Dinobots can uh, is a Gestalt. Yeah, they did oh, a oh, so they did a combiner oh, set. Of course. They uh, they turn into the sixth Dinobot called a Volcanicus, which is a pretty baller name. It is. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, this is this ever was since like the cartoon came on. I wondered why they didn't combine. Now they yeah. hey, now now they do. Now they do. They were like, you know what? We wondered too. Here you go. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, you're very welcome. Um, like like cool. I said, like I uh, not not to decrease the value of the gift. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's but, garbage. It's garbage it, I found it, on my porch. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know who you, likes garbage? It's Keith. I'm sending it to him. Especially if it's garbage in the shape of Swoop. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I found more garbage in the shape of Swoop. <laughs> Don't we all? Well, what a world. Uh, I ended up I ended up with two somehow. Well, I pre-ordered one at Midtown Comics, uh, and mm-hmm. then I pre-ordered another one, and I thought one of them wasn't going to go through or didn't go through. Then it turned out they both went through, and so then I ended up with two, and I was saving on, holding on to one, waiting for it to appreciate, and I was like, you know what? Keith is having a hard time. That sucks. And he I, he <laughs> pointed out this swoop one time when I was like showing showing him my room, so I was like, I'm going to send him swoop. <laughs> nice. God bless you, man. Much appreciated. And good memory yeah. at that. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I, you, my, my memory uh, usually sucks. That swoop is uh, of of that team in the Transformers TCG. Combiner swoop was my favorite of the Combiner Dinobot cards. Right Ooh. on. Is it also where can I can I do the thing where I can like even though I didn't take credit for you guys being into Transformers, can I take credit for you guys being into Transformers? What we're geeking on. Um. Yeah, absolutely. that's cool. <laughs> and and you've definitely influenced me a lot through the years um, of for toy buying and also buying. Way more mangoes than I ever would have. Mangoes are good in my life. Mangoes are good though. Oh, oh! It, you get credit yeah, for to, making Keith eat mangoes. Nice, well done. Because <laughs> uh, Bandos has a 
toy review channel on YouTube, what? and for uh, April Fool's Day once, he did a review of a mango, oh. and he just used this knife to just glide through it and cut it, and it looked like the most delicious thing ever. It is the most and, delicious yeah. thing ever. What do you mean? It certainly is. <laughs> and, yeah. Now, after that after that video, I just, like... All right. Kickstarting the mango fandom. Buy some more mangoes. That's nice. A good, a good year. Yep. Got the mango fandom going. Yep. Yep. <laughs> this is something good. Came out hey, Keith, can I, can I get you to watch Transformer Cyberverse now? Um, it's, uh, sure. it's all on YouTube, officially. Uh, it's three seasons. The episodes are ten minutes long, and they feel longer in a good way. It, is it better than the Netflix uh It is so much better than the Netflix show. Oh man, I did a podcast about that. Good. And I, I didn't I didn't hate the Netflix show, but everything the Netflix show tried to do, Cyberverse, I think did better in less time while looking like it's for much younger audiences, and it is. Yet it was more more mature about some of those themes in a lot of ways. Right, right. Oh god. Then I shall be checking out this Cyberverse. It, it's the worst part of Cyberverse is the opening chunk of episodes, only because they're a little boring. Mm-hmm. But I promise you, it only gets better as you go. And also, even if they're boring, they're ten minutes long. And by the time you realize they're kind of boring, they're also over. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to in- actually enjoy some. I, yeah, I don't want to dunk on that uh, series because, like, I think like one of the guys is on my Facebook who did it, and like. They did care. Yeah. They did put their hearts into it, and I don't want to like shit on like their heart as they. they it's it's a well intentioned man. I didn't it's like a it. well intentioned show that is really immature about what it's trying to do in a way that like isn't like toxically immature. It's just like it's like okay, what's nineties grimdark comic? We're gonna do something that's real and adult, and like okay, how's it real and adult? Well, there's. <laughs> There's going to be consequences for actions. And, <laughs> well, <laughs> and when you shoot someone, they they die. And it's kind of like, all right, maybe, okay. maybe. <laughs> like it's got good stuff in it. I would say, like, if you haven't watched the, the Netflix show, is basically it's it's, it's episodes. It really, it's just like a two and a half hour movie. Yep, and it's it's a, it's it's basically a really decent ninety minute movie that's a bit long. Uh. Yeah. And it's got some good episode five has excellent bits. I really like the world building around the, the very brief world building around around Sound Blaster was really cool. Yes, I like Sound Blaster. That was yeah. Cool. yeah every, everyone I talked to, even who hates the show, is like, no, Sound Blaster was cool. And I'm like, yeah, like I mm-hmm. we all wished that that had that had been the theme of the show rather than like he, you know what the theme of the show he's was. He's a recolored right, well, all the same. He's a recolored sound wave that like is a king of like some wasteland transformers. But he something. he he is. It's even better than that. He's a failed clone of Soundwave who really hates Ooh. it when you say he looks like Soundwave, <laughs> and, and he basically runs an Energon black market. And is he's 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 how I like a crazy character to be done, which is he doesn't scream and he doesn't have like a terrifying voice. He's a very calm person. And then if someone like tries to break into the room out of out of turn of the line, he just gets up and shoots them in the face and kills them. And then sits back down and goes like, anyway, what were we talking about? Mm-hmm. Jesus, yeah, it's like yeah. oh, he, he was a, a bumblebee a brief flash of like, whoa, wait, bumblebee, it's, it's so this? good to see you again. We had such a good dealing last time. Wait, someone's trying to break in, kills him. Okay, so what what can I do for you today, bumblebee? <laughs> or like, there's there's a bit when he when he's got his own laser beak, but it's buzzsaw, and people are like, oh no, what's that? And he just walks and he's like, you didn't think Soundwave's the only one who can do? You didn't think I couldn't do anything Soundwave can do, but better, <laughs> right? Like that mm-hmm. that that kind of character, I love that stuff. Where it's like, now in in a worse show, this guy would be like, "I am crazy," 
But it, <laughs> in this one, he's just like really calm, and it makes him a hundred times scarier. Yeah. Uh, so is Cyberverse as good as Sound Blaster? Yeah, Sound Blaster, and they also gave him the Merc symbol, which uh, a symbol that debuted in the TCG, which puts a little tear in my eye. Oh, how about that? Yeah, I I enjoyed it overall. I watched the whole thing. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what's going on with like a lot of the direction of some of some of the voice acting with like all the characters. They're very. It sounded very stilted. Like they're Everyone forcing out every word. Yeah. Serious. That was characters. my big problem with it. It's like, because I've seen people go off on the actors, and I'm like, some of those actors literally are in Cyberverse playing the same characters and better. Yep. And, no, no, no. it's it, not them. They were directed that way. That's how it goes. That, that's yeah. how they wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. They're professionals, and that's how they wanted it to sound. The, the whole so project. I, I, it's not just them. I've seen. Yeah. I've seen people go like, "Oh, this would have been better with Cull- with Cullen and Welker," and I'm like, "No." <laughs> and also, Megatron was a highlight because they didn't direct him that way. They let Jason Marnoka just be himself, which is a, a a good Megatron. He was like the highlight of the Machinima trilogy. And and I've also seen people go like, "Well, it's because they're non-union actors," and I'm like. There's a lot, a lot of critique. There's a lot of critique to drop on how the avoidance of the union is a, a, it's being done on a top level in a kind of scummy way to avoid paying people more of what they're worth. But do, I'm like, do not attribute that to the acting performance. That is wildly unfair. That's absurd. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, also, man, I'm terribly blanking. The, The guy that did Starscream's voice. Yeah, Frank Totoro. I, Frank I know him. Totoro. He's so nice. He, he's uh, he's an excellent. Him and Marnoko were the two highlights of the Machinima series. And I'm like, for all my critiques, at least this is a competently produced piece of animation. Yeah. So they finally mm-hmm. can be in something that's not wholly embarrassing to show to people. Yeah. Like, yeah. He. I love his Star Scream so much. He needs to be in more yeah, stuff. He, like, like Totoro mm-hmm. should be the go-to Star Scream actor. Uh, yeah, I'm for a lot shocked of productions. that he's not. Honestly, um, yeah, my uh, my comedy but, group, the Armory, actually had a Q and A with him. He just got on a Zoom meeting with us and, and talked to oh, us. Nice. Yeah. yeah, congratulations. <laughs> well, uh, and he was he was just like he was just super giving and really kind, and um, yeah, just like just seems like a seems like a really great guy, and I and just loved his performance at Starscream. Yeah, Starscream is a highlight of that show too. Um, it's like like the lowlights of the show are really like. Like they're loud, but it's like the good bits are the are I you know percentage wise probably the minority, but they're fun good bits. Like it's worth watching once. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just like some of the stuff's really silly. Like like how anyone who's a Decepticon who becomes a non Decepticon later, like their voice direction even changes from mm-hmm. like 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 two characters start off as Decepticons and they talk like this and talk about decimation <laughs> and then when they start to become good they go like hey i think that we should probably stand up for what's good and like you can hear their voice get a bit deeper and i'm like what's going yeah. on all right all right all right, all right. Are you talking about impact like what we need you to do is uh when you're evil you got to sound evil make evil sounds and then when you're good make the good sounds <laughs> it like undermines maniac it undermines the actual character arc when when like a character like like the character arcs are fine but then i'm like but you had that character st- say stuff like like decimate them till none are left standing and like <laughs> it's hard it's hard to 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 flip that coin over to like now this character is repentant about the cause they were a part of and i'm like okay cool but you were saying words that are inherently really awful to say yeah Yep. Are you talking about Impactor? Yeah, I'm talking about Impactor. <laughs> okay, just making sure. And yeah, like Impactor, he's got like a, a spike for a hand and all the things I've ever seen him in. He's like, 
he loves killing. He loves it to death. And then he loves it. To yeah, death. Him, him turning into a good guy was. Seemed it's really weird because, like, his character is always in the comic books. In every universe he's been in, he's he's an Autobot technically, but he's way more of a of a mercenary or an unstable character. And and like him being a former Decepticon suits that caricature. But like for him to be mm-hmm. a former Decepticon who also says '80s cartoon villain stuff and then has that change is like really difficult to digest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Cyberverse is excellent. I really recommend Cyberverse. Done and done. All right, we we should close up our geeking. We've gone for an hour. Okay, and we we ready to uh, uh, hit the hit the ah oh, man, I'm fucking up my Dune terms. Well, anyway, we're, we're guys ready to fold to X and then he started screwing. Take oh us to go terms, and then we're gonna go go, go to Arrakis. This is embarrassing. We were, we were uh, to okay. Go into the next part of the podcast. Um, <gasps> all right. Well, anyway, off? thank you guys for joining us for the geeking, and we'll see you guys on the other side once we go to the only place in the universe where you can find the spice, a planet called Arrakis, but it's also known as Dunes or what Sander made of. Yikes! All right, I'm hanging up. On the other side later. Should we hit stop? Should, should, are we hitting stop on the recording? Okay. A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice exists on only one planet in the entire universe. The planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune. You are about to enter a world where the unexpected... Many dangers exist on Arrakis. The unknown an incredible secret has been kept on this planet. And the unbelievable beast. I see two great houses. Where kingdoms are built on Earth that moves. But we have wormside the likes of which even God has never seen. And skies are filled with fire. The prophecy which will cleanse the universe and bring us out of darkness. When a young warrior is called upon to free his people, a world that holds creation's greatest treasure. He who controls the spice controls the universe. And greatest terrors. A world where the mighty listen genocide, the deliberate and systematic destruction of all life on a racket.
spectacular journey through the wonders of space and the mysteries of time. From the boundaries of the incredible to the borders of the impossible. Now, Frank Herbert's widely read, talked about, and cherished masterpiece comes to the screen. Dino DeLantis presents Dune, a world beyond your experience, beyond your imagination. All right, uh, welcome back to the podcast, and we're going to talk about... welcome to Arrakis. Oh boy, we <laughs> folded, noted. folded there. Dude. The second mouse. All right, so, Sabrina, tell me about your history with Dune. My history with Dune. Um, I'm sure you've heard me say something very similar to this before, because my history with Dune is very similar to my history with Star Trek, and with Star cool. Wars, and with Stargate. When I was a kid, my dad watched a lot of sci-fi, and sometimes I would sit on the couch and watch sci-fi with him. And sometimes he made us watch sci-fi, and we all as a family watched sci-fi. It was very excellent. Uh, I've seen Dune many a time, um, from uh, the point in my life where, you know, when you're, like, younger than eight, Tracking plot is not really as important as just, like, looking at all the things and being like, cool, what's happening now? Cool, what's happening mm. now? Um, so I, I met Dune and Star Wars both before that age, uh, or before the time when I started paying attention to plots. And, like, the blue eyes thing was really cool for me. I was obsessed with the sandworms for a while. So, like, in my brain, it doesn't make sense to me that most people haven't seen Dune Considering the vast amount of people that I've seen Star Wars, I'm always like, you watch Star Wars, but not Dune? But I don't, but why not? But why Why not? And as an adult, I understand that, you know, uh, Dune has a lot of issues with trying to pack as much as possible into that time frame. And as a kid, I was just like, oh, okay. But now, like, watching it as an adult, I'm like, trying to get this much all done in one movie was a bad idea, you guys. Why didn't you make a miniseries? Um, but... I just, I love it, and I don't understand why it doesn't have, like, supreme ruling over, like, why why is it a rare gem that most people haven't seen? It should be just, like, in the forefront of people's knowledge of sci-fi from the 80s. That's how I feel about it, so I'm, like, always surprised. I watched I it last night with my roommates. They had never seen it either, and watching them react to it was just, like, satisfying. <laughs> but What were the reactions? Like, I'm, yeah, what what, what, they, what did they think? Uh, definitely that. They were like, wait, what's going on now? I feel like we skipped a whole bit. Uh, there was a part that uh, was very exemplary of this to me. Uh, the the movies, most of the time, you know, they let you discover things slowly as the crew discover, as the, the cast discovers it. This movie does not have time for that. Mm. So at some point, uh, for example, right after Paul drinks the water, he's like, Yep, I have to go find a big sandworm and make it my bitch now. And uh, it's just like, there's no explanation beyond that. They never they never at any point spend time explaining why that might be the case. He's just like, I gotta go find a sandworm. And that's the next scene. They're like, all right, sandworm it is. You don't have time for the rest of the stuff. So they were really like, they were impressed by the, the, the sights. They were like, really? This is the 80s? How come we haven't seen this before? But also they were like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? This is insane. And this plot is ridiculous. So... Eh. I think they had fun. <laughs> they were perplexed. Cool. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I think once we start digging into like the the review review part, I I can see why it, this hasn't taken hold because it's boring. I think, right. um, but I like boring <laughs> sci-fi. Um, but uh, Matt, what's your history with Dune? Uh, well, kind of like I said in the first part, I thought that I'd seen this before, but the further I got into it, the more I realized that I recognized absolutely nothing from it. Uh, but I do very much remember uh, the toys from when I was a kid, and I always thought they were very cool, especially the vehicles, like the ones with like the big wheels in front and the small wheels in the back. They're just so weird-looking and so unusual, but I never got any for some reason. Um, no idea. I, think I never in the, saw any. What's that? I never saw them. Did you see them at Toys R Us, or did your friends have them? Because like, I did want some, and they're just I just didn't think they existed. There was a, uh, a privately-owned toy store near where I lived in, uh, near Albany, New York, where I was growing up, called Dwayne's Toyland. And for some reason, they had a bunch of Dune toys, and I'd always see them there. Because they had, like, a, like the upstairs that had, like, the kind of, like, more general toys, like, you know, your Thundercats, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Barbie, etc. And then downstairs, they had the weirder stuff, you know, like, where they cool. had, had, like, Dune and, like, Shogun Warriors and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so they were always down in the basement. Um, yeah, and in the 90s, I tried to read the novel, and I failed. And I think maybe oh, yeah. 10 years ago, maybe less, I, I tried again, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the novel is amazing. Uh, I actually want to reread it just because I remembered nothing from the novel as I was watching the movie. So I think it bears a reread. And I also recently got the board game uh, for Dune. They re-released <laughs> that. Uh, I heard that game is awesome. It's crazy, man. Like, it is, it's, it is so much, it's very much like the movie and the book and everything. It's a lot of political intrigue, a lot of backstabbing, a lot of making alliances, and, uh, and it's kind of, you know, you're all, you all have different goals and everything. I had a group of friends, we all got together, we played it, and none of us really, I don't think, figured out, figured it out or had that much fun. But after we played, like a few weeks later, like one of my friends, like we ended up talking about it, and we both, for some reason, just really wanted to play it again. Like wow. neither of us understood it, neither of us had a good time, but we both wanted to play it again. <laughs> yeah, the, the story cool. of that game in Capsule is it was like a legendary, like you know, uh, multiplayer. Uh, the more players, the better. Kind of, kind of political tactical game from like I think the seventies. That's right. And. And then, for whatever reason, like, the rights of it fell into this limbo where it became this rare, non-reprinted game until, like, a year or two ago, where Mm -hmm. someone finally got the rights and and reprinted it. Only reason I haven't bought it is because I heard it's so good, and it sounds like my kind of thing, but it, like, needs a big player group. Yep. Uh, But I've heard it's awesome. Yeah, it's, like, honestly, I would would recommend it. I think you would have fun with it. It is very complex. But, yeah, it's better with a group of people, because, like, if you have any, any... I think we played with five, and it worked, but I think... Um, it would have worked better with six. Uh, yeah, like even, I, I heard it's like minimum three, or you're not getting the game. Basically, totally. Well, because actually, I was I was in House of Trades. I was House of Trades, and like immediately, everybody betrayed me. Uh, all my soldiers <laughs> got wiped out. <laughs> this is like a bunch of people that had like hadn't ever seen the movie or read the book. They're like, oh, we got to get this guy, and then they all teamed up with each other, and I was by myself. <laughs> that's amazing. That, yeah, that's just amazing. <laughs> The game itself evokes the story. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I, in, Sorry, the, man. in the end, I did not win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never recovered, not even well, close. Did you drink the water of life? I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I, um, I never pulled that card, never pulled the water of life card, I think is the problem. Uh, well, there's, there's, there's probably for the best, problem. you know. You know what it does to most people. Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do, do they, do they these, usually these try and fail? Do they, is it when they drink, do they try and fail? I don't think, I honestly... They drink, they died, Keith! Ah, yeah. They tried and died! I don't know, I'm, I'm actually looking at the board game right now, and I'm not sure if there is a life water, uh, <laughs> life water of life card, but now I, I kind of want to open it up and see if it's in there. Um, all right. To be nice. clear, we managed to talk about board games even after the geeking over... Was yeah. I didn't do it. I, I well, we are talking in the air. We are talking about because we're all board game nerds, except maybe Keith. Maybe. No, I'm, I'm out. I, I don't board game. Yeah. There you go. But I think I'm I, a nerd. I'm cool. Yep. All right. So anyway, that's yep. that's my history. Why is everybody of laughing? Dune. Yeah. We're, we're laughing with you. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway. Look, that that's that is quite the history. Uh, I did not expect anyone to pull out the board game card on that one. No, I thought it was going to be me. I was going to, as a gag, <laughs> say like I primarily know Dune as a popular board game. Aha! <laughs> 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 yeah, Vandalus, you do tell. What is your history of Dune? My my Dune stories. When I was a little kid, like younger than the age of eight, uh, my parents I think watched it because my brother wanted to watch it. And and I have memories of Dune, and I remember it was it was very confusing to me, and mm-hmm. and I didn't understand what was going on or why the movie seemed to take more than one tape or was played over more than one night on TV, and also I realize as time went on, I began misremembering other movie scenes as being from Dune, uh, and then once on on the Canadian version of the Sci Fi Channel, I saw the ending of Dune. Because I was confused about uh, this old Patrick Stewart movie, <laughs> and I didn't know it was Dune until the credits were rolling, and then I got confused because I thought Dune was about a weird meat monster man in a glass tube muttering about the spice. Oh, yeah. uh, and so I assumed this was a different movie about Dune, because um, I really misremembered Baron Harkonnen enormously from when I was a toddler. Uh, so, so last night is actually the first time I ever watched Dune. All I knew about it is that <laughs> it, there's multiple cuts that it, the production of the movie is a massive piece of drama one can read about, which I then read about after I watched it. Uh, I like David Lynch a lot, uh, and, uh, and and I popped when I saw uh, Kyle MacLachlan, because I like the two of them specifically because I've, I've still only watched, like, half of it, but I really like the half of Twin Peaks I watched a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I like those two a lot. Um, so I was, I was kind of excited to watch this movie, and uh, I ended up having a pretty good time with it. I, I can... I, I think I heard a lot of lines that as I watched it, I realized I've heard people reference for years. So I, I felt like I was the odd one out for having not ever seen it. Cause like, I, I was like, Oh, that's where the sleeper awakens come from, comes from. That's where fear is. The mind killer comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought people made that up on their own, but they were not That'd original. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, uh, that, that's my history. Is like I just was very disconnected from Dune, and then as t- like I knew there was a video game, I knew there were TV shows, and oh, it was cool. always to me like, oh, that's just, this is like kind of venerated sci-fi thing from before I was born that I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, then uh, then Keith was like, let's watch Dune. I was like, all right. Um, and I, <laughs> for, for reference, I watched a two-hour some minutes version that was on YouTube, which I believe was the theatrical cut. 
and I went to, because I, I thought there were Blade Runner numbers of cuts of Dune, but it looks like there's a theatrical, <laughs> there's the extended slash TV version, and then there's, like, variants and fan cuts that are spun off of those two main ones, if I understood correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I saw seen, the theatrical. I've seen the TV version and the theatrical, and I have a fan edit that someday I'll be watching to see. There was a what fan edit in my recommendations, but it was three something hours long. Oh yeah, yikes! Uh, I did watch an alternate ending uh, right after I finished, and I was like, "That ending is way different." I wonder when the one with the cape was filmed. And then I read about the whole They're, reading the story of that movie. Actually, I think makes the movie even better. Yes. Uh, What's the alternate ending you saw? It was one where, like, he instead of putting on a cape and becoming like literal god, he like. <laughs> turned around and went over to to uh um Rachel from Blade Runner <laughs> and I I was kind of sleepy so I don't remember what he said but he was like something something I think he was going to like become the emperor and she was going to be the emperor queen or something he just didn't have a cape on he turned around and like walked over to her instead of like putting on a cape and having his sister stand next to him huh um, she becomes the concubine, the wife will be Irulan, and I have gone way too down, I, I, I am, I am deep now <laughs> in the, the Dune lore and fandom, and all the memes, like, the, the, there's jokes about how much of a dick he is to Princess Irulan, because he doesn't love her, he loves Chaney, but I'll marry you, Irulan, Irulan does love him, and she ro- rolls her eyes at him all the time. Anyway, there's lots of jokes. I, I read a wiki page about, about Paul, so I read his character history, and I was like, this goes places. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. Um, so, my history uh, starts with, like, childhood. Um, of course, like, you know, we I love Star Wars, and me and my friends all love Star Wars, so we're like, what, what else can we find? There's Space Raiders, and then, oh, what's, what's this Dune stuff? And then, like, we used to, like, pantomime what was on the screen and play it out while we watched movies and like pick our characters and doom was so hard to play. Uh, like there's not much action or, or knowing why the action's happening. And yeah. Um, what you said, Sabrina, uh, when you're younger and you're mm-hmm. not, act- I guess I was, I was reminded that how much I maybe did, wasn't following plot lines as much as I <laughs> do now. And like, it was, it was a beautiful thing to have on the screen, which was like why we loved it. Like, the, the the force field um, fight and just looking at it was just like oh my god I love that force field shield oh it's my such god. a cool yeah. idea for 1984 I, like what a weird yeah. take I thought it was going to be the lightsaber of the show of the movie but then it doesn't get used and uh, it's so weird yeah and do you guys know I don't know like the, the reason why weapons? they don't use the shields oh, there's a reason I'm, there's a, and, like I'm guessing they're expensive uh, no like the the reason like the like uh a big pro- problem, like uh, of the world, is not explaining why it is how it oh, is. Oh, I, I, I would say I got the impression that when his buddy, who looked like I was supposed to know who he was, Duncan, Ian, Duncan, Duncan, Duncan Idaho, Duncan, Duncan Idaho. Idaho, yeah, it's he's like like they, the coolest the, guy in the universe. The Soto cores or whatever seem to have like a, <laughs> a spinning bullet that could drill through the force field. Um. So what happens in the Dune universe is like uh, the first thing that happened was. Um, they, they built machines and then the, these machines turned into AI and turned the universe into a paradise until the humans started noticing, wait, holy shit, we're enslaved. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then like the, the AI was like, ha ha, we got you forever. 
And then there's this universe-wide revolt where they destroyed all machines and computers. And they're like, oh, holy shit, no one ever make a computer ever again. And that's why <laughs> everything is how it is. Like, there's no, like, computers anywhere. Oh. Um, the computers are co- are these guys called Mintats. And they're human computers. So, like, that's why, like, this, like, one guy was, like, looked into something. You saw him flash in his face. Yeah. He was getting data that you can get simple data put through things, but it gets computed through people now. Oh. And that's why the world is so freaking odd. And then, like, the shields, there's, like, uh, laser blasters that people barely use. Because, like, if you have laser blasters and, like, the the shields are very common... If a laser blaster hits a shield, basically you have a nuclear explosion. What? So it's it's like not worth it for anyone to take a shot at anyone with a laser. That's why people have knives now. And <laughs> and they yeah, it's it, it it's like uh two sides have two common things. Let's not use them too much cuz we don't want to blow up our entire city. So yeah, the oh. layout of Dune is crazy. And like, I thought it was just the spinning bullets. Th- that they don't and, say it. And Patrick Stewart had this really like loud foreshadowing about how like, hey, if you get really close, you can push a knife through. And that made me think he was the traitor because I'm like, well, he's a slow blade. He he set up how to how to die from a shield with a knife, but then no one killed each other with knives with shields. So <laughs> then my my history with uh, Dune explodes at, of course, once again, you'll be hearing this every podcast, the destruction of Star Wars, uh, where, yeah, oh, it, here, we here we go, yep. here we go, yeah, um, Great. I'm, 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 I sit up, get my popcorn, sit down, like, now Disney, with all of your infinite money, serve me, show me the, the height of science fiction, yes, oh my god, it's terrible, what happened, like, why can't you just buy creativity, What's happening? And then I got a vision. I got a vision of like me on like this planet looking at a, a moon going molten lava and exploding. And that's what Star Wars was going. Me going, what happened? And like Luke Skywalker's next to me. And he says, get out of here, kid. Go find out what you're missing. Hit the all fiction and, and search it. And, and you will find what is missing in the Star Wars. And I ran over to my shitty spaceship and, and punched the throttle and, and, and got away from the explosion. And one of the places was to the top of a mountain where a Chinese man named Cezanne Lu taught me the ways of three body problem. And he was okay, like, three also, body problems. There it is. I'm going to make a bingo yeah. card. <laughs> <laughs> all, all you had to but, do was like watch rebels. Like that's all oh, I did. And, oh yeah. Yeah. That, that was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. But also, you had to go to where it started, and I went to Dune, and I found, like, the lore channels of Dune, I found the shitposting groups of Dune, I got all the audiobooks, and just deep dove into, like, why the universe is the way it is, why the movie was the way it was, and there's, like, a Dune book club by comic book girl 13, she's fantastic, she loves philosophy, hmm. and she guided me through all of the the winding, twisting ways of like the Game of Thrones level of like um, philosophy and political maneuvering that's inside the books. That when you're like in the books, yeah, that was shouldn't be a movie. Yeah, and the movie is just like and skip two years. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would, um, I'd almost say we should we should just we should be as a, as a collective consciousness we should be calling it like the Dune style politics rather than the Game of Thrones style politics. Mm. Yeah, really, I feel, truly. I, 
I feel That's why like, I'm always astounded nobody knows about Dune. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like everything I hear about Dune is like when it comes to to specifically like political shadow play in sci-fi, it's like Dune laid a lot of really solid groundwork. And mm-hmm. because one of them got the HBO series in the last 10 years, Game of Thrones is the word everyone uses. <laughs> mm. um, they um, are trying to Game of Thrones uh, Dune, though. Like there's a movie and a miniseries or, or TV series that's coming out. Oh, so, yeah, I'm very curious about this, because my roommates had a disagreement. I thought it was a miniseries. They thought it was going to be a movie. Hmm, I'm pretty both. sure it's going to be a miniseries. Both. It's both. It, it, it's, uh, there you go. Okay, well, it better be a miniseries, because it is, it, as this movie proves, two hours is not enough to get, like, even... Not even close. The basics nope. done. Like, two hours, to me, is uh, your ending of the film is the Harkonnens taking the planet. Oh, you asked me before what my roommate's opinions were of this movie, and I just remembered what it was based on what you just said. Thank you. Um, they were like, there was so much going on at all the time, and so much happened, and still at the end, I somehow felt unsatisfied. Yeah. Um, and especially because it's like, uh, so much that has the time to happen that you don't really have time to do like a complete arc, and then they're just like, oh, and he's gone now, oh, and it's over. Uh, uh, there's like no denouement, it's just like, here's the end, and... Yeah, like, feel, I feel like reeling. until I did my, um, my 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 monk training into Dune um, Kung Fu, I feel like up to this point Dune of Fu. my life, yeah, <laughs> I don't think I knew what was happening in the story. Like the like uh, in the in the first place, all throughout my life, I'm like, okay, why is everything like this? What's going on? And yeah, it wasn't until you find out know, like the lore and stuff that I'm just like. So that's why they're still using knives. That's why they're acting like they're in feudal times. And yeah, old, uh, like technology got to be so good that it became old. And like, they, like, you know, if you have a TV, it's basically like built into like a wooden mirror now. And that's why everything looks the way it does. But yeah, I, other than that, like, I, I, I didn't kinda, know what was going on. I kind of felt like, like, up until the 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 first scene after the Harkonnens uh, like take over the planet, I was like, I actually felt like that was a really well paced story that was going on. Like, mm-hmm. I, I felt like we were introduced to characters, we got told you know some motivations, and it led to this like really cool point of like the invasion and and all these characters we got to know are all getting killed off, and it turns out that Dean Stockwell's plan sucked. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I was like, this is actually really cool as like a, a straight up like like political fantasy tragedy. Mm, uh, yeah. And and I think that a cut of the movie that ended there and then took that first hour and made it an hour and a half would just be a solid movie that ends on a bit of a downer with like the, Shakespearean. Yeah, like like with the chain at the end of like, hey, and we want to do two more like they originally meant to. I'm like, this that would have been a great cutoff point to do a trilogy. Oh, yeah. I think uh, the. It, it, the new movie will be stopping after Paul is fully accepted into the Fremen. Uh, that's okay. a decent spot. That's, that's a yep. decent spot. Yeah, and then the TV series is about those like two years where they start building their reputation and wrecking the other people. Mm. Huh? Um, TV yep. series is going to be about the Bene Gesserit witches. Oh my god, really? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, ah, that's the exciting. The Bene Gesserit are crazy awesome. Um, like... Uh, uh, an amazing thing that I found about Dune is like it, it's um, pre caring about spoilers. Like it's um, like the story is a meditation, and I'm sorry if that sounded like pretentious and snooty, but like like the best of Dune is basically Frank Herbert having an excuse to talk about philosophy 
and humanity and what we're really like and hear some story every so often. And mm. once I got into like one of the last of the two books, Heretics of Dune, where things actually start getting into actual space opera and like um, shadow kingdoms coming from the edge of the universe and whatnot. And when they started doing real, what I consider normal sci-fi, I started getting bored of it because I was like, okay, I, but you know. But the special thing that it had before. Yeah, the specialness was just like just listening to like this like why humanity is the way it is and and like just philosophy just nonstop. It, like I recommend highly the audiobooks over reading it because what I heard felt more like it was better for a podcast and listening to it and thinking about it versus like reading it because like when I'm reading something I like making a movie in my head out of what I'm reading. Mm. Sure. And mm-hmm. this is like the books were talking about life and humanity. So, and then like the reading, the guy who reads it is fantastic. Also, once you get to uh, later, the second, the second, <laughs> little Dune humor there, little Dune humor. Um, because Paul has, <laughs> Paul has, uh, has a son that you guys didn't get to see in this story named Leto the second. And then like in the background of the book, you never get to really see anything about him. He just kind of dies on a mission and then he has twins, a boy and a girl, and he names the the second boy he has also later the second. So anyway, <laughs> what that uh, that explains the moment in the Paul Wikipedia article where I got confused about him coming back to talk to the now emperor Leto, and I was like, so they resurrect him, and oh, man. Then I, I had to catch up on that bit in the article. Um, uh, later the second becomes a worm man who. Um, knows all of the memories of everyone who ever lived and can see all probabilities at one time and is basically oh, okay. a god. And so he also talks. god. Mm-hmm. Huh? So also that? god. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's the god emperor of Dune and, like, he loves talking shit. Like, man. Like, loves talking <laughs> just, shit. Just hearing him talk about humanity and I know why you do the things you do. Like, there's a impression of Leto the second that you'll get to do if you listen to audiobooks. What's up? Is yeah. God Emperor Leto the second the second worm here here to drop some <laughs> shit, some tea on you stupid <laughs> so ass humans. Truths. Wouldn't he be Leto uh, Jr.? Leto Jr. the second the worm here. Let me just fill up second. my teacup. Well, no, second? no, listen, that junior that junior thing is not as old as that the second thing. And it's a different culture anyway, so you know. So, like the second, the second. so no is what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it decides what his name is. Just gotta show you um, on the podcast. Look for images for later the second, and this is what this motherfucker looks like. Like, wow. <laughs> he has an elite troop of he has an elite troop good. of women warriors called the Fish Dancers. Wow. Um, I forget why, but he has a very good reason. He likes uh, fish. Oh it's my like, god! It's like Jabba the Hutt. If Jabba the Hutt uh, didn't have a face and instead, like somebody put like a wooden mask on him, <laughs> like a human-shaped wooden mask, and then just like stick arms. Yeah, he's so like that's horrifying. He, he's like I'm so smart and all knowing that like it's too much trouble for me to bother having legs, and really that's your problem. Listen, I'm <laughs> just going to be a worm with a face. If that's a problem the, for you, that's that's your problem. The only thing he can't see is when he will die. <laughs> Why he's got all them fish dancers. No sir can see their own death. That's the whole thing, right? Ah, God. Yeah, it's it's so yeah, once you get deep into Dune, there's so much fun to be had. 
Um, On the subject of getting deep into Dune, uh, and it was kind of touched upon earlier, but something mm-hmm. that I always really enjoy uh, rewatching Dune is, again, it's not like huge in the consciousness of like sci-fi that is uh, popular in like the non-geek realm. Um, but there are so many tropes that exist that are like from Dune, like just oh, the same yeah. imagery in general. Yeah, it was, um, it was like educational to me watching that movie. It's like it, like that in film school, the same thing when you see movies and you realize, oh, this is where that bit is from. And Looney Tunes didn't invent that. It turns out they were yeah. Yeah. doing a parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. and, if you guys and, want your minds blown even more by how influential Dune is, has anyone seen Jodorowsky's Dune? Oh, no. I have not watched it yet. That's the movie about the making of the Jodorowsky's Dune that never happened, right? Right, and... Like, that is the um, starting point of all science fiction. Like, you watch the documentary, and, like, you'll find out where shit in Terminator came from. Um, Like, uh, this one guy named Jodorowsky went so nuts that he made this giant Bible of, like, the greatest movie that never got made with this, like, artist named Mobius and H.R. Geiger. And, like, yeah, he he asked this one guy who's an actual emperor to be in the movie, and this guy said, (laughs) I will do it for one million dollars! And... Then, like, Dora was like, hmm, well, what if I only have him in it for 30 seconds, and maybe I cut down his price that way? It was a weird journey. Um, and then, like, uh, there's art pieces in there that still show up in movies today, like in Alien's Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, a ruins they find on a planet. There's actually art of a Harkonnen castle from his S- dune. Like, it's exact copy of it, so... Yeah, you'll see a lot of things, and then, like, once you watch a documentary, like, almost all movies you've seen since the the 80s have, like, bits and pieces picked from this book. Huh. Sounds like a a documentary worth watching. Hell yeah. Like, uh, it should be required watching for anyone who's a (laughs) sci-fi fan, because then you'll be like, holy shit, that's where that came from? Like, the first images of an idea of, like seeing through a cyber eye where like, um, you know, like the Terminator looks at something, has a readout oh, on yeah. the screen totally. that was taken from mm-hmm. Joe Rousey's mm-hmm. Dune. It's interesting. It's, 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 it is interesting when you find like the sources of things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I think I saw Casablanca for the first time, like a few years ago and all these lines came up and all these just like, you know, just things from cinema. And I'm sort of like, Oh wow. Okay. That thing, that thing, yep. that thing. Okay. Well, they all got them from this. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. They were great for a reason. Mm-hmm. So it's wild that all of those troops have survived from Dune, despite Dune itself not being like center front yeah. in consciousness. Isn't, I just find that really interesting. I, I, yeah. I almost, I almost feel like because I, I've heard so many people reference Dune. It's like in a niche, in a niche demographic, Dune makes its rounds, but it has so little forward-facing accessibility. Like right down to there being two different cuts. Uh, and that, you know, somewhat, somewhat understandably, the director has, has sort of distanced himself from both cuts over the mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like it, it's floating in this weird little space that plus it, you know, as, as a straightforward film, it is absolutely not super effective. It's, it's yep. a very weird experimental thing. That's I, true. And, and I feel like I all like it, weird experimental things. Oh yeah. And, and I think if, if doom had or doom, if dune <laughs> had, uh, if dune had the doom guy, no, if dune had, uh, some kind of just like big cultural um, voice that had like, here's your primer on why you should watch this movie. 
that I just feel like I'd never heard. Because when, when I watched it, I was like, this is a really fascinating movie that that I'm enjoying, and partly because it has qualities that are similar to me in, in some of the longer, more boring bits of, of the first Star Trek motion picture, uh, which mm-hmm. also tends to get maligned in the, in the pop culture. And, yeah. and I really enjoyed both because I'm like, these are like weird, trippy artifacts of like sci-fi before sci-fi had tropes yeah. to cling to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you don't have to watch it to go like, I'm going to watch this to become a Dune fan. It's like, you should just watch it to like see some trippy filmmaking and maybe someday meet David Lynch and go like, yo, you did a good enough job, dude. It's fine. Like <laughs> I, w- I watched the interview <laughs> I know you're not- today. I know uh, you're David not happy Lynch, with it, but oh man, he is genuinely still deeply hurt by um doing like uh he, the way he described it was like never do a movie that you don't get um uh final cut on. It's a joke and it's like dying. And like he wow. said, like I it, he felt he's like, like he's like yeah he said he felt like he died. Um, he hated it, the experience so much, but that it was kind of beautiful because once you hit the bottom, you can like grow from there. But I, yeah, I totally, I totally see it because there's a, a lot of this movie you can see someone really was into this in a lot of parts, and mm-hmm. and you just have to imagine that you put yourself into this movie that is so weird and trippy and dreamlike and risk taking, and Three then years. and then your producers, yeah, then your producers like recut the thing, and then a TV extended edit uses scenes you didn't even want to use anymore, and and like um, I, I, I get it, like do you guys see the. Do you know the legend of Alan Smithy? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't. Uh, so okay, for on the TV version, um, David Lynch didn't want his mo- uh, name on it, and the Directors Guild has a pseudonym oh, used. Me. Yes. Oh. Yeah. If, if like if a director is like, I fuck this movie, I don't want my name on it. They put the name Alan Smithy on it. Yeah, the extended edition is directed by Alan Smithy, uh, not David <laughs> Lynch, because he. <laughs> He, he like, as far as I understand it, he was okay at the, sort of, with the theatrical cut in a very, like, this really hurts, but, like, I guess mm-hmm. it's what I made, uh, kind of way. And then the TV extended cut to him was just, like, I, I could, I don't know the full history, but I, in my own head, I see it as insulting just in that they told him, well, your three-hour cut's too long, so we're gonna reshoot stuff and dumb it down and simplify things, so it's two hours. And then this three-and-a-half-hour yeah. cut goes up on TV, again, without your consultation, uh, they, he also had his name taken off the screenplay, and he put the name Judas Booth, because <laughs> that's how he felt about the experience. Wow. Judas Booth. Dang, that's cold. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he's apparently been approached over the years of, like, do you want to do, now that you're David Lynch, venerated director David Lynch, do you want to do your own recut of Dune using all the materials? And he's just like, I really don't. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah it. It's like, thanks. You know, that was a really bad time for me and even if you like the product that doesn't mean i want to go back so thanks yeah. um then there's jodorowsky who tried to make it before david lynch and like made you know that giant book and whatnot um so jodorowsky he's a weird beautiful old man that like has a wild imagination and like yeah he put his heart in and everything into it to make um something that just was not filmable it was really weird but like um then the movie came out and then his son was like we should go see the movie. And Jody Ross is like, fuck that. No, I want to see the, somebody take what I was creating. And then, like, it sounds like, hey, let's finish this journey together. And they're like, fine. You know, let's let's go see this together. And they saw it. And, like, you saw him, his face light up. And he's like, I watched it. I watched it. And, and, and it was terrible. It was horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. And he was so happy. 
<laughs> so he was, yeah, he's like, yeah, like, and like he's like, David Lynch is a warrior, you know. This is just not his fault. This is the studio, and I'm I'm so sorry what happened to him because like, yeah, that was apparently a terrible experience. It's just so so much interesting stuff came out of it though. Like, and I I don't know who this is attributed to, but like the constant, like I really liked the constant, you know, as much as you can make fun of it. Um, mental dialogue tracks of everyone's mm-hmm. idle thoughts in mm-hmm. whispered oh my ADR. Gosh. I I actually really dug it because I was like, this movie's this movie at a certain point becomes paced like a dream, and and having everyone just hearing their audio, hearing their mental audio track randomly throughout the film, often just repeating stuff that's already been said, is like kind of enhancing the trippy dreamlike nature of what's going on. Yeah, critics hated it. Like it um, is. It's but yeah, really I love, I love their inner dialogue, the whispering voices. Yeah, like like it's it's kind of kludgy in this movie, and and I think it's more an artifact of 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 the producers to a degree. But like mm-hmm. conceptually, it's fascinating, and it's a bummer that like it's I feel like it's treated on a cultural level as like a mistake. Full stop. No, and and, and I'm like no, but I, I kind of like this. Like if a movie's gonna already be weird and trippy, like. Like, I like the idea of dreamlike movies, and so it just enhances mm. it. Yeah, I think I, you hit it on the head there for me, is it you like you like the idea of dreamlike movies, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I see something like this, I'm like, wow, I should like this, I should enjoy this, it is very trippy, but then I just find myself having a very difficult time focusing um, mm. while... The movie's playing, so it's, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what that is, but uh, but yeah, for a lot, a lot of the movie, I just found myself just turning it off and wandering off and doing something else and nope. then coming back. It is boring. I found it's, that I, I think it's boring. Um, I, yeah. I found I, that more in in the final forty minutes, to be honest. Like, like it's weird because I, I I agree with you, but like I felt like that aspect amped up in in the back third to in, yeah. in some weird way, like. Like up and up until the Harkonnens take over, I was like, this is weird, but like it's moving. And like right. stuff's happening, and like I'm kind of getting this. Like I'm, I'm here though. And then as soon as it became Paul and his mother in the wastelands, and then and then meeting the Freeman and and etc., it, it it was like it started to it, it. How do you put this? It's like before, even though it was weird and disjointed, it was like there was still cement on the walls. Yeah. And in that back chunk, it's like the cement had gone brittle, and mm-hmm. and like I was just walking through bricks basically, and like hopping from brick to brick. Well, yeah. Uh, I think it felt. I mean, a lot. Yeah, you're right. The the first half of the movie does to me also seem kind of like more thought out, more planned. And I mean, I don't know if that's the case or not, but like, yeah, like kind of complex, interesting, political, et cetera, et cetera. And, but the, you know, this the last third, last half, last forty percent was felt rushed. Like, all right, now we got to fit all this stuff into a relatively small. Yeah, and that's yeah, like yeah, where the action exactly. sequences are the, happening, where you think it'd be getting more engaged. But yeah, me too. Like. My my eyes just started going to my laptop. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like the more action on screen, the less engaged I was getting. Because I'm like, yep. I'm like this. The whole crux of this film is like makes the thing the film makes important is the consequences of the action. But the actual action doesn't really matter. Like especially with the with the you know the weirding technology or whatever, right. where it's like oh, I like the weirding tech. Uh, I like the tech, but narratively, I'm like I'm like you've laid it out to me that this basically means they win every fight. So like I actually don't really care about watching the fight. <laughs> Truly, like, yeah. the The part that I found the most interesting about the weirding tech, uh, cinematically, like in, in a book, just brilliant concept. Um, the way that it was used, the only place that it really mattered was for him to discover that his own name, Muadib, 
had that effect with the weirding tech. And the weirding tech is word. not And yet. aside from that, it was just like uh, unnecessary. Uh, definitely, I, <laughs> I get that feeling that y'all have and... Uh, Possibly because I've seen this movie a billion times and I, I, I saw it before when it didn't make sense and then finally when it <laughs> made sense uh, as an adult because, like, some of it had been explained to me by my dad when I was young. Some of it was just me being really good at picking up, uh, you know, like, uh, textual clues quickly because of the amount that of television that I've watched since then. I'm sure all, all of you can do it as well. Um... The pacing is incredibly different, but it's also really funny to see because it's clearly, like, beats that they had to make sure were in there yeah. uh, for it to make sense later on. But they were like, we don't have time to really, like, spend any of it or explain any of it. So it was, like, this nice meditative piece. And then they were like, ah, you're going to have to cut the two hours that this is into one hour. So just get rid of all the fluff. And, uh, like, when they, when they catch up with Patrick Stewart again... It, it's clear that, like, in the book, that, that would have been a, a big moment, like, after all of these warring that they did, and somehow they came across each other, and it's like, oh my god, it's you! And But it, in the movie, it's really just like, and here we are in the middle of a random fight scene. Yeah. And there's a third group in this fight scene. Oh, one of them's Patrick Stewart! Ah, hey, we're friends again! Yeah. Woo! I, was like, I, I, I barely got next. that. Like, they said, like, <laughs> I thought they were smugglers. No, no, I thought those were Harkonnens. Nope, they're smugglers. Hey, there's Patrick Stewart. Like, wait. Wait, what happened there? Like, did you just shoot all of his friends he made in the last two years to help survive after he ran off with a dog? Yeah, and- I had yeah, I had <laughs> no idea who yeah who was Patrick Stewart with. What was that group? I mean, I I didn't know. I was very happy to see him. I will what say that he didn't have dog. time. He just needed to be back in the plot. Okay, yeah, <laughs> the dog. Chill out. The dog. The dog came back at the end. That's can we really? talk about? <laughs> yes, can we talk about the yeah, pug? Yeah, yeah. Can we talk like about the pug? pug made scratching the please. Yes. Oh, yeah. thank the God! Thank the Atreides God. family okay. pug was there. Who knows where it's been for two years? Is that right? Is that how long it had been? Well, like, like, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Stewart grabbed the pug and then like held the pug in his yes. arms while yes. leading a charge, which I thought was rather yes. irresponsible. And then yes. the pug yes. disappeared. Yeah, he he says, I, "Long live Duke Duke Leto Leto." Right? It, while yeah. he's holding the pug, and I'm like, "End this pug." <laughs> like, y'all, y'all gonna throw that at someone? And this pug, yes. Why is he exactly. holding that pug? pug? Like, yeah. front lines hold the pug. Whose idea yeah, was that? You're not gonna let the pug run around your feet. I mean, come on. Who was making the movie? It was like, and he should be holding a pug, right? Everybody, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get him a pug. Somebody, like, wait, some producer needed a pug. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I hope that's one more. of the actors or producers or whatever. I hope that's somebody's personal dog. And they just had to bring it on set, and Patrick Stewart met it, and he, he just did, like, didn't want to put him down, and they did a practice shot, and then the director, David Lynch, was just like, you know what? Keep it. Yeah. Frank Herbert was on set, um, and Ooh. he was just delighted. Um, he Aww. didn't give a shit what they did with the story. They're like, oh my god, oh my god, you're making the movies out of this. You want to do what? Yeah, do whatever. Oh my god, this is fantastic. And he just loved that there's, like, just armies of people running around making something that... I'd appreciate that enthusiasm. Yeah, he was, nice. he, was, he was a jolly guy that people were happy to have around. He, was, he wasn't grumpy, like, oh, you're messing up my story. He was like, nope, oh my god, you guys are doing this. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I'm getting my own movie. This is, like, getting my <laughs> fan fiction of me, of my work, really? Thank you so much. And so then great. it has pugs? What a day. <laughs> Anyone read my book? This is awesome. <laughs> I hope uh, if I ever publish anything that gets turned into a movie, I, I uh, respond like him. Oh, I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm gonna freak out, but it'd be nice. Yeah. David Lynch turned down Return of the Jedi to do this. Oh, as well. Return of the yeah. Jedi. I can. I can, I can imagine 
I can imagine that part probably also played into some of the really bad feelings from how it mm. went. Is like Oof. this was a disaster, and I probably could have walked straight through pulling off that movie. Right. Uh, yep. Oh boy! But, um, I mean, they it, they probably pitched it to him as like you're going to helm three movies. Like like that was the impression I got was that they were like this is going to be the next Star Wars. Uh, yep, there's a trilogy. They were trying deal. to make their own Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you as the director, yeah, you're, they're you're, still doing that. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's so funny to read. I'm like, I'm like, this is like something that they're, they're doing to creatives to this day of like, yep. locking them into multi year deals and convincing them to like drop lucrative or interesting ideas because it's like, oh, you get to do three of these, and then like they do one, they're like, ah. Eh, what if we cancel the contract, though? What if we- <laughs> How about that? Yeah, they do that with actors, too, where they'll be like, hey, um, just like signed to three movies uh, produced by us, here's the first script, and the first script is great, and then the other two movies are like movies they do not want to do. Hmm. Yeah. Um, like, going oh, back you to signed it, though. <laughs> going back to how you guys are saying, like, uh, the pacing is really bad mm-hmm. and messed up, or... Um, I think that's the also, second half. <laughs> yeah, or I, I think for me the whole thing, how unconventionally structured it is. Once again, um, like with my life force and this, like I don't get anything that I want where I usually get it, mm. and I mm-hmm. love that. Like, like uh, yeah, like the how much of a mess it is. Like I do like movies that are just ambitious mm-hmm. messes. And, like, it just doesn't follow the beats that I'm used to having. Yeah, and we were saying earlier, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, we were saying earlier how uh, this movie was made, like, before a lot of the TV, uh, the Mm -hmm. film sci-fi tropes started existing. And that, that's so true. And it also has some things that we, like, really never see. Like, the the, uh, inner monologue that you were talking about, my roommate was really, like, odd by that. He was like, this gives it a quality that I've never seen in any other movie because, like, I, I genuinely don't know, like... Are, are there just their thoughts? Or are they communicating telepathically? Like, uh, yeah. what's going on? And it's not just when, like narration either. It's not. It's not like yeah. the Blade Runner narration. You know, the the one of the worst ones you could ever cite. Of like, I I decided so to go to the so. car. You know, like <laughs> it's inner, it's inner. It's like it doesn't. It's whispery. It doesn't always make sense. Uh, and I, I should I should restate. I actually would. I would actually go to bat for the pacing of the first hour of Dune. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it is well paced for the first hour. Uh, like as a movie, it's well paced for the first hour. It's just like, st- like stuff isn't flowing, and like you could say, "Oh, the stream of consciousness though is confusing me. The time skipping is confusing me." I'm like, I'm like, yeah, chronologically and delivery wise, this is really weird. But like, if you <laughs> condense this movie to bullet points, that first hour in bullet points is a lot of stuff happening that flows off of what is hap- what else is happening in the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like up until the Harkonnens take over, it's just like this is actually just moving. Like this is a space opera. Oh yeah, bullet points. That's just going like bam, 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 bam. Like we're going <laughs> with um, the idea what, that like you'll tell me who these navigators and stuff are later, right? And it's like, well, they won't. They're actually going to skip years afterwards. <laughs> Sorry. Um, back back on like how like you guys saying like before the tropes kind of imprisoned movie making. Um, like yeah, that's part of why I love Star Trek: The Motion Picture and this, and then like with like Star Trek, um, like the Wrath of Khan uh, formula just took over. And everything had to be Wrath of Khan, where yeah, like, but like the the failures, I, I guess that's why they don't make them because they, they end up failing. But yeah, just like carrying like room to breathe of just like weird shit that just kind of happens and flows, and yeah, I I love the weirdness. Oh yeah, yeah. Star Trek the motion picture, like like is I was surprised how much I dug it because like absolutely, I think that the the five hundred year long model shot is comical in how long it is like it, uh-huh. it's kind of funny 
but it's I cute. I have it as an animated lot wallpaper. Yeah, it's it's a, mm-hmm. it's still a cute shot. Like it's like you can't get angry about it when you hear like literally the soundtrack struggling to continue looping <laughs> as it's <laughs> going on, and like mm. like I like I, so that bit like, for sure. And then like to, I I I'm actually I in my experience I'm really alone in this. Like I I really like the entire story of that movie up until the reveal of what V'ger is because before then like they were they were straight up showing me cosmic horror in an aesthetic I'd never seen in a film. Like not not cosmic horror, like it's it's awful monsters or like you know an unknowable, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know it's it's it's, just, it's either robots or it's monsters. It's like this was like borderline like like the kind of Cthulhu type stuff of like this is just an unknowable entity that is not destroying stuff. It's like deleting stuff. It's Ooh, it's weird yeah. noises Love in space, that. and that's what it is. It's a unknowable big, entity. Well said. You know, mm. actually, yeah. I am with you. Um. That is the reason I don't like the movie. The the Vija reveal and like the very very end. I'm just like nah. I'm out. I, I straight um, up. I'm out. But I, I really up, love the rest. Yeah, I, I just retcon those parts. To be honest, like, I, whenever, like when I tell my friends, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I just ignore the ending. I'm like, I, I imagine that they found something else in there because mm-hmm. up until that I'm, ending, I'm like, this is like one of the most high level sci fi concepts I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, I'm there and it's almost disappointing end. when they're like, oh, it's the Voyager satellite. I'm like, okay. Oh, nope. come on. I, Why did I, it have will, to be a human thing? I will disagree with you guys so much on that. But the Vija reveal for me was fantastic because... Um, I'm aware of that. I, I just like, yeah, we get there and like, yeah, yeah. Voyager, the music starts playing. And like, for me, it it maintains the, the sci-fi high concept of like, it's been thrown so far into space that it hits something beyond our understanding and like... That thing, the, the the machine empire that rebuilt it, only sees the world through that lens of machinery. So it does see like a bird with a broken wing and mm-hmm. rebuilds it from its own point of view. And it comes to us to see what humanity is. I just love that the clash, and then it explodes into a light beyond what both of us maybe understand. Man, like, like, in, in the long run, I love that movie. Like in the long run, I I dig a lot of those bullet points. It's just like delivery wise. It, it might just be like a limitation of the time, like like bullet point wise, I I do kind of dig that story, <laughs> but like delivery wise, it's just it's it, after how like affecting the V'ger scenes were of like when it deletes that space station or whatever, uh, like it's it's Love just a lights, yeah, it's just like when when you go from that and then it's like, and here's a satellite, and I was kind of like, oh man, like it's it's now bang it, it's so real that like like it's messing with like how i was digging the unreality of what we were seeing and mm-hmm. and if there like there's a way you could have the satellite i think and i think you would just it would just need to be decades of thought on it to be honest but like mm-hmm. you, you have the real satellite there but like like make the field around it like just disorienting to look at like physically disorienting to look at or something like mm-hmm. like make me feel like i'm in the mind of a of a of a freshly born god like that to me that that's kind of the cool side of it is like whatever it found out there basically turned it into a sapient techno god and yes. so like i like the concept of a newborn god like a, like something that's don't is- like the way it looked <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, I, I like the idea of something that's, like, that's, like, nearly omnipotent in power, but it's also, it's only been alive for a few years, and it doesn't comprehend what it even is. Uh, like, that's kind of cool. Um, mm. Back! Ooh. You also Dude. described Fifth Element there. Ugh. But, yeah, I wasn't too I happy. Forgot. I forgot Fifth um, Element had that in it. Right. I always, I always forget right, the so ending. But, yeah, dude. On, <laughs> on this topic, but also on topic, 
Um, watching, uh, I've rewatched uh, Star Star Trek motion picture recently with Keith because we talked about it on the other podcast, and then there um, are four horse. There are four hosts podcast horses or four horses. Um, and uh, we rewatched Life Force, and well, you rewatched Life Force. I watched Life Force for the first time, and just rewatching Dune now, it makes me really miss like the weird way that. 80s sci-fi uh, tried to... It, I mean, like, it does it in 2001, too. The weird way that, like, 80s sci-fi tried to show us the... Un, the inunderstandable of the future or whatever. Like, mm. weird colors, uh, people in suits floating in space with, like, geometrical shapes around them. Li- like, weird lights. Kind of dreamlike. I feel like mm-hmm. all of the scenes that we have like that now are just like trying to be much more grounded and yeah. realistic, but I actually like I miss the weirdness of it. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, you know, blurry cam and people being on drugs or something, you know, like they they all feel the same. Yeah, designs yeah, beyond psychedelic what, shit. The designs beyond what I would normally want because it's beyond I like yeah, it's beyond my imagination and beyond like a current world of like designs. I think that's exactly that stuff. That stuff gets to exist just in way smaller boxes now. uh, Sadly, Mm -hmm. and and it's not just like I mean, obviously, part of it is like studios right now have a very like we need to we need to pay for what will make us profit kind of approach. Yeah, but also on a on an independent level, a lot of people as time goes on, a lot of folks who go into filmmaking, I find, get informed not just by what they've watched, but by what the expectations are of what they watched in a way where they'll cut their own hamstrings before they make their own short film of like, well, I want to make my thing, but also I want it to reference this, this, and this, and I don't want it to be like this, this, or this. And it's like before yeah. they've even, they've even put pen to paper. Uh, and, and so you only get little hints, like something along the lines of what you're describing, what it w- appears briefly in, uh, in dread in 2012, it's 2012's dread, uh, with the slow, uh, the slow mo uh, drug sequence. I love dread. Yeah, and, and using like the slow mo sequences, especially if you got to see it in 3D, hit that note of like we're gonna represent like what a psychedelic, like time perception altering drug will do to you, and it it did it in this way where you're like I wouldn't have like I would have sat down and been like <laughs> slow mo cam, but they're like no, this is instead like not just things in slow motion, but like the perspective of the shot in 3d will shift mm-hmm. your field of view will shift uh stuff that moves slowly but that's not the important part it's what small impacts and and objects colliding and what the sound of water on water sounds like that suddenly amplifies and so you get little things like that in movies now and then still but you, yeah you don't get like this full you don't get v'ger like this full-on sequence of like it's not just lights and sounds, but like it's lights and sounds specifically pulled from what you as a six year old envision horror to be like when you don't mm-hmm. comprehend it yet. Mm. Uh, I'm making lots of hand gestures. But <laughs> Hilariously, this helped me realize what it is about Dread that reminds me of the 80s. So thanks. I was watching Dread and I'm like, yeah. this reminds me of an 80s movie, and that is definitely part of it. Yeah, it's like you were saying, it's like when a movie gets away from, from at a glance, you being able to identify, oh, you did grounded texture on your CG, or, you know, you did you did photoreal texture on your CG, and you're using that kind of bleak color palette, like, okay, and there's LEDs in the helmets, yep, yep. Whereas, yeah, with with something like Dread, and I know there's other films out there that, that at least touch on these themes, but, like, 
when you get something where you, at a glance, you start saying, hey, that doesn't look like everything else. And it's, and it also mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's trying hard to not look like everything else. It's just Ooh, looking like what it wants example, to be. Here's another example, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. It's, it's like, Scott Pilgrim and Dread are two movies that are like, when you watch them, it feels like the visual uh, motivation is, I want to look like Scott Pilgrim. I want to look like Dread more so than I want to look like 2012's Dread. You know, yeah. I want to look like yeah. live action Scott Pilgrim. Well, a lot of those uh, movies are risks, right? You know, Scott Pilgrim was yeah. a relatively big risk. Um, Keith, this will get a rise out of you. Speed Racer mm-hmm. was a pretty big risk. Um, <laughs> you know, these big, bright, colorful movies that are trying to do things that other movies aren't doing. And a lot of the time, it, I mean, and this is, I think, going to be our conclusion, they don't pan out. Because people see Speed that. Speed Racer is like, another good one, yeah. What's that? I was going to say, Speed Racer is easily another solid example of, like, this this idea, like, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. abs- absolutely yeah. not. Not a a mainstream relatable visual delivery. Like you know, and bring it back, Dune, very clearly. Like the trippiness of it and everything is like, and like having watched it in full, I'm like, I thought this was kind of weird and dreamlike, and like I was falling asleep when I was like, you know, less than eight years old. And it turns out that's the aesthetic of the delivery of this whole <laughs> yeah. film. Totally. Like that actually and, solves huh. the mystery now <laughs> for right. me. So, oh, go ahead, Keith. Uh, I'm going to say that. Um, and this is why we don't get this anymore, and why things like Star Wars uh, is just kind of um, flat. Uh, uh, watching other documentaries and whatnot is just like um, one of the things. The the drawbacks of what happened to Dune was like they ran out of money. That's why some of the special effects are really not that mm-hmm. good. And I think that that um, putting they they wasted not wasted they put so much money into like those lavish sets and whatnot that they didn't have enough money to maybe do the scenes they needed to put the structure around the story so you could understand what you're seeing. Right. And like, yeah, when you, well, creativity doesn't make money. Um, we were talking nope. to Melinda Snodgrass on the other podcast. There are four hosts. Um, and like she mentioned how much the sci-fi we love is expensive and doesn't make a lot of money. So like uh, Stargate Atlantis, beautiful. Like um, the sets are amazing. Alien feels great. But the more creative you get, the more people you push away. And, mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, if you have, if you're spending millions and millions of dollars, you have to boil that shit down to something simple, and you don't get creativity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You also have the issue with uh, corporate consolidation, where you have less and less companies controlling more and more assets, and each of those companies is going to be, you know, the bigger they are, the more they're concerned with making sure that they are profit centered yeah. and making sure that they're doing what the big companies want. So just. The, the more that expands and takes yep. the place, the less creative stuff we're going to see. Yeah. Uh, Mainstream. Uh, the problem is it's difficult to self-produce stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I hear in the 80s, there's a lot of money to just be thrown around. And back then, the producers at the time didn't fuck with the creativity. They're like, let's just get you the money so you can go nuts. Go yeah. nuts. And that's why we have so many just... Um, things that you know stand out in the '80s and the '90s versus now, right? Where the producers are like, "I'm in the creative process because I'm watching the money." Right. So Make us Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And also, re- like recession environments probably don't help with that. Probably like, not. Like probably it, it, not. It's, it's it's probably a big a big weight sitting on the back of a lot of that stuff. Uh, mm. I think also like like you hit you hit limitations of of not limitations, but to me, I w- I would call them kind of limitations of cer- certain intellectual properties are grounded in, in a certain sense, like, like an easy example actually for me is star Wars. It's grounded in pulp and episodic pulp at that. 
And yep. that's why I've always had trouble really getting into, like, it's fun to watch, but like, I, I said this for years, cinematic Star Wars always loses me as opposed to episodic TV Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Because the nature of that whole world to me is, is always like, it's at its best when it's kind of on limited resources and telling a story over several installments to, to the point where sometimes I'm like, I'm like, not, not to use the word never, but just in a broad strokes, like I, feel, I always feel like Star Wars never knows what to do when it has lots of money. Mm-hmm. It, it It's always better off on a smaller uh, scale. Like, in, I mean, these are so lots of money behind them, but like, like stuff like the Mandalorian or rebels are on. <laughs> it's funny. This... I was going to say there's more money behind that than people realize. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's still tons of money behind those and it's, it's still Star Wars. It's got a lot of money, but it's like, it's delivering that money over many installments as opposed to like, we need all this money to go into two hours at Christmas huh. and it's got to sell oof. as many collectibles as possible. Design all the outfits. Yeah. And, and, and that, that whole world to me is always like, it's so much more interesting when it's drawn out and really pulpy and w- which in a way that in pulpy as in like, uh, like episodic, not, following like the hero's journey 100% every single time as much as hero's journey is important to star Wars. It's like, mm-hmm. it's as best when it's like, we're just with a kind of a ragtag crew who are just making their way through the, kind of the gutter of this universe <laughs> and shenanigans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and whenever it's like, Oh, but we're going to give you a huge stack of money to tell a galactic scale Epic. It's always like, it's, it's like giving all that money to like a, a, a an 18 year old. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, all right, I can finally. Oh God! I'm gonna put a bunch of lightsabers together and uh, aliens, and we're getting spaceships. Oh no! <laughs> I wrote um, a script about a man on a desert planet. Oh God! <laughs> um, random notes that I got. Uh, John Carter. Have you guys seen that yet? Oh yep. yeah, I saw John Carter. Um, yeah, I love John Carter. Yeah, Do you guys notice? I got so like universally reviled. <laughs> I have no idea on that one. That I I love the hell out of that movie, and it has an opening that um, spoofs Dune's opening, um, where you get the close up on Princess Irlan's face as she tells you the background oh. of the world. Oh, you know what that reminded me of? Huh. Zardoz. Ooh, <laughs> that was just like the intro to Zardoz, where the guy pops up and it's like you know talking about. Oh yeah, yeah the floating the floating head in the beginning with space and everything. So yeah, the second but show. The, that used to be a thing that we do. We don't do that anymore, do we? Uh, the the Princess of Mars. The Princess of Mars and John Carter does the same thing, and then she laughs at the end. They're all copying and, Zardoz. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Like you know, she they they they. She was like, yeah, I, Dune, Dune, Dune reference. No one's gonna get this, but it happened. <laughs> um, I I still want to see John Carter because a lot of my friends who saw it ended up digging it, and a lot of them told oh, yeah. me that what killed it was it was being presented as something it wasn't. In, mm, that'll do it. In, it. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. The marketing was terrible for it because like the people who behind it, they're like everybody knows who John Carter is. We'll just call nope. John Carter, Whoops. right? And no one knows who John Carter is. <laughs> yeah, like it, I liked the, it a the lot. People making it were so deep into the lore of John Carter. They're like he's like Indiana Jones. That's all you have to say. And then oh yeah, they, like like I hate using the word over and over again. But my friends who dug it told me that like yeah, it's just it's a really fun pulp. <laughs> but whenever I saw whenever I saw the posters, it was like, "This is an epic that you have never experienced." John Carter and the Princess of Mars, and it's like it's like, but it's just it's a wrong. Not though. the right tone. Such a good yeah. adventure. No. I'm reading no, the no. first book right now. Um, the weirding uh, weirding modules are not in the book. The weirding way is a uh, martial art by the Bene Gesserit. They're the one, mm-hmm. only ones who do it. 
Um, it looked so martial artsy too when when Kyle McLaughlin did it with that that tower full of spikes at the beginning, and <gasps> I was kind of let down when it looked like it was at the end of the day just fancy handguns because I was like, it's way cooler when he's doing those poses and stuff, and totally. it makes it feel so, like the words mm-hmm. he's saying are important. Also, uh, they're not telepathic or anything, so the main Jesuit, their superpower is that um, they can dig into the gen- genetic memory of all humanity. Um, that's come before them, but only through the female chromosome. So they can like go through all of time and look through the eyes of any female in existence. And like, that's what gives them their superpower of knowledge. And they use that knowledge combined with like, um, the Mintat supercomputer mind to crunch probability. And that's why they're so crazy smart. So Mm. they've been kind of like, um, orchestrating this exact moment actually. So for thousands of years, so like they saw like these, people, the Fremen, come to this planet. So they seeded the religion of Mohadib in them because they knew that someday they could maybe push someone to go to that planet to become the Mohadib. Oh, wow. So they manipulated them into creating their own messiah. They've been planning, yeah, they, they, they plans within plans. And then, like, the thing that's special about the Kwisatz Haderach is that he was, like, the only male to be trained in their ways. And because he has both X and Y chromosomes... If they unlock his power, he can see into all minds. But they wanted to make sure that they had control over that person. So, well, supposed uh-huh. to, yeah, they're like Lady Jessica. Only females don't don't have a son. Okay, we we almost got this. We almost have control of the entire universe. If you have a, uh, a female, a daughter, and she marries a Harkonnen son. We got like, this no. shit locked down. We got it. We we almost won the game. And they're like, oh my fucking god, what did you do? <laughs> And she's like, he wanted a son so bad. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What's going to happen? And then, like, that's why the woman at the end is so scared. She's like, holy shit. Holy shit. It's Squeeze the Are You in control. Oh, my God. Jessica, what the fuck? What the fuck? And, yeah. So that's what was going on in the story. And then, yeah. Um, Paul, it, it like, I don't know. Do you guys care about spoilers? Because it's not that big of a spoiler. I mean, the, the books are I mean, from, it's like, also. 30 no. years ago? Yeah, so, yeah. so no. Oh, sorry, I'll I'll try like 50. 50 on, yeah. on principle, no. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, like, the, the, they're, they're trying to create the super being to get some control over the entire universe, and then what Paul sees is, oh shit, you mean I have to become a worm god thing? Oh shit, oh shit, I just lost the game because I became the Queen Sats Adrak. Um, and he does lose the game hard, like, um... He tries to avoid, like, the, his point of taking over was to keep, because he saw, like, the future. If he becomes the Muad'Dib, he knew that his Fremen warriors would fly across the galaxy and kill millions and billions of people. Mm. But, like, he kind of, quote-unquote, won by making them chill out a little bit, and only millions and millions of people died. Oh, that's and, not so bad. Okay. Yeah, Jeez. so then he, he tries to run away, and then, like, later the second, see, he also has that power... So uh, he he sacrifices like he's like dad I'm a I'll take over and become this tortured worm being for like thirty five thousand years Ugh. and oh god this is gonna be terrible and the reason why the little sister Aaliyah is so weird and an abomination is that um, at the moment of conception she was conscious and also has um, all the memories of all the females that ever existed which oh. drove her. Fucking crazy. That'll do it. And that's why she talks I like think she they does. kind of explain that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I really liked her. Actually, she yeah, was she the was, highlight of the the back end of the movie because she was adorable. Oh yeah, well she was delivered so a creepy little, so child. creepy. She was like, great. Yep, she that was great. Du- doing that that dub, but like directing the kid to to mouth the words and just stare, and then having a I'm assuming like an overdub to really heighten a lot of that stuff is like unsettling. Yeah. And it was really well way. done too. Really. Just like just the shot. Uh, of her just like a very slight smile that disappears very quickly too. I'm like, how did you get that three year old to do that? Yeah, it's like run the camera, up, like run the she camera. Up, she becomes um pretty insane and a uh, fucking amazing and and uh, scary as hell. Um, I read yeah. a wiki article that says she inadvertently takes on the persona of Vladimir Harkonnen at some point. Yep. Yeah. Um. Inadvertently, just so, on accident. Because she's also almost Quisak Hatterack ish. Um, she has the genetic memory that she's able to see Baron Harkonnen, and be, and that memory becomes a, like a full being inside her. Ooh. And uh, he drives her fucking crazy. And it, man, like, once they get beyond this first movie, shit gets so crazy that I can't believe we will ever see those stories made into TV series or movies. Like, I can't see normal people wanting to keep seeing this. No, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, I'm quite excited about the new version coming out. I really like Timothy Ch- uh, Chalamet's acting, and uh, I like how they've kind of stuck to the visuals. Uh, I, I like what they've done with the visuals so far from, like, the one leak still, you know? <laughs> but... Um, we probably won't see those specific stories because you said that the things about the Atreides, but I mean about the the ladies whose name I just forgot. Uh the Bane Jesserit. Teeth. The Jesserits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, we're I mean, ma- we'll get as close as we've gotten. Yeah, like uh, a mini series about the Bane Jesserit is gonna be so crazy fans that it'll probably be my first show on at the time if they pull it off. Which, like, yeah, it's, it'll be easy to fuck this up and not do it well, I think. And I mean, it's very easy to turn it into sci-fi Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, I hope they do it well. Because, yeah, this could like be the, so awesome. That cover but. could let them pull it off if they can just tell people that's what they're doing, but let us do it. Mm. Yeah, right. Like, That'd be nice, Very really. specifically. Because uh, if you can... Now, the one upside of everyone just saying Game of Thrones as, like, an adverb or descriptor now, an adjective, not adverb... Uh, is like, like, if you can pull it off, you can use that as cover. If you're going to do something that's that intricate, it's like, look, we're going to do, we're doing a sci a new sci-fi game of Thrones. Okay. Totally. Uh, and here, okay. Okay. No, here, don't ask me questions. You print, <laughs> off, questions. you print off the most confusing wiki articles and hand it to them as well. And so here, just read this and it'll be like, they'll read two, two sentences and go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're onto. Hey, you got this. All right. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on here. And therefore clearly it is like game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, love it. We we, we do we, we will get to see the story that I just said up to the point where later the second gets starting to get transformed into the worm god. Um, once we do the sci-fi original series, so they did get that far actually, but no one watched it. Wait, no, oh. no, I forget. No, no. Um, actually, the sci-fi original series they they had a record-breaking, um, uh, uh, ratings. They really? had record-breaking ratings. Yeah, did they? They, they did so well they, that they gave birth to Battlestar Galactica. The only thing that happened that didn't continue it was that they got a buyout, and the people who bought it were like, Sorry, f- what the fuck is that? Reality TV is where it's at, guys. Oh, no. We don't need no more Dune. 
Where do you ghost chasers? Yeah, that 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 would happen. Yeah, oh my yep. god, new management. I haven't that was even the thought odds, about right? that. It's like, always mm-hmm. new management. Yeah, I forgot. The, yes, yeah, sci-fi used to do good shows. Yep. The two thousands was awful for a lot of creatives in TV, as I always understand it. Is it was it was both the rise of reality TV and then the cementing of reality TV during the writer strike. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, Melinda Snodgrass, uh, writer of the Star Trek episode where D- Data is on trial. Um, she oh, she yeah. gave us she ta- she gave us the real talk. She's like, yeah, Keith. The reason why you don't see this is because it costs fucking money, and mm-hmm. like. Yeah, they have you the option. You don't want to spend fucking money if you don't know that you're not going to get that fucking money back. Right. Yep. <laughs> so and systemically, too. Like, the entire system now, like, like once upon a time, it was it was a lot closer to a, a filmic system. And now, uh, even though I don't think the technology is bad, but now with the advent of a lot of digital technology and the cementing of reality TV as, like, a way to continue uh, audience retention... Plus the clinging to uh, to television broadcast by a lot of the industry as a medium makes a lot of that just so hard to do. Like, uh, there, there's so much uh, standing against f- like just fictional television in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, let alone fictional television with a lot of fantastic visual uh, stuff as well. Because yeah. um, I'm just- holding my, I cross my fingers. I want please bring back Stargate. Please, love of God, bring back Stargate. But like watching the show, they're like, thinking the about j- it. The gigantic, yeah, I, I, they are, and it keeps not happening. And I'm like, why? What, what comes to my mind is the beautiful, gigantic set of Stargate Atlantis. Um, I can just see the money makers going, many pinchers going. Uh. You'll, you'll get that as time goes on. Streaming platforms are are the places that will fund those shows. The the mm-hmm. bummer is that they're also the places that have access to all uh, demographic and and viewing data. So you end up right now in the in the really unfortunate situation of what Netflix is, which is that they will do- they'll totally fund two seasons of your show, but that's all they're going to fund. Well, that's all, right? Uh, for a we'll brief time, after. yeah, for a brief time, Netflix would have been the place for all this stuff to rise up, and some cool stuff came out. Like I will always say, Altered Carbon was really cool. Uh, Dark Matter. I think the windows passed for a little while now because now it's like, oh, we'll make a season, maybe two of a cool thing. And and where a lot of money I think is going to get put into creative stuff is like you know your Disney Plus platforms are going to pump that stuff up. Your caveat is it's got to be properties that they own. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think aesthetically there's going to end up being a little homogenization, but I'm hoping that we're past that already. Uh, I think it depends. Mm-hmm. It depends on how how they deliver and how they feel about the delivery afterwards of all the the Disney Plus Marvel series they're doing. That's going to I think dictate. Yeah like how wild you can get with productions under their dollar. Uh, thankfully, I think that we are on a good track for that. Cause I think that their movies moved away from homogenization after that second phase completed. It seemed like they were open. They were loosening a little bit. Uh, so I got some I hope hopes. So. I got some hopes, but also I hate that my hopes are like, well, I hope Disney allows it to happen. Yikes. Because <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's like, all, not only that, it's I hope Disney allows it to happen through the mediums of Marvel Comics and Star Wars. Because it's like, those are kind of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's cool stuff to do in those mediums. It's just like, there's, 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 that's also just two IPs to operate inside of. I was like, uh, I swear to God, they have a third one. There's a third one. Disney princesses, right? Good job. Uh, yes. I I would love it if they could open up like 
the princesses or even just Disney di- stuff that is not like Disney original, but is basically seen as digi- Disney original. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the show Once Upon a Time has a lot of problems, but is as I think a really close step. If you want to see an example of that, of like yeah, of like like that show, I fell off of it aroundabouts when they brought in the stuff from Frozen. Not because it was stuff from Frozen, but because the quality of that show managed to lose me as uh yes like 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 up until that point i was still hanging on because like i really dig the first few seasons of that show it's dumbass but like super fun like so fun and Mm -hmm. it's it it, at that point the show fell into this pattern of like how do we reset our status quo and then it was like we'll just absolutely we'll just mind wipe everyone constantly and i was like i can't i can't stay i can't deal with 80 percent of a season being about everyone trying to get their memories back years in a row <laughs> yeah i i'm definitely with you there that's what lost me on once upon a time um i actually stopped before then uh i didn't realize at first that it was a, a franchise that was actually owned by disney i thought they were doing like the classic ones and then once you know mulan and elsa started showing up i was like okay okay but uh before even before then what really crashed it for me is uh i don't know if you've noticed this yet but i'm super into character arcs yeah, and um, the constant repeating thing on that show was that um, the the actor who's in SGU and who is also in Once Upon a Time, who is amazing, uh, I forget his name. He plays Nick Rush. I always confuse him with. Like, um, I always confuse him with Tim Roth. Um, yeah, the dude that you always com- confuses with Tim Roth. That's the one I'm talking about. Yep. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name. Anywho, uh, he's a fantastic actor, so they kept giving Rumpelstiltskin these, like, really great arcs. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the season, or the mid-season point or whatever, they would just, like, wipe it, undo it, let's do it again, because people like him better when he's, you know, like, not a good character. Yeah, he he's the uh, tragedy of that whole show. Because uh, he, he is, he's, I absolutely see how, like, he is solid, and he holds people in, into that show, and then you can tell that, like, folks making the show were were just clinging to him as yep. as a as a performance Did, like i saw a visual after i kind of dropped off do you want to know you know want to know how heavy-handed they got with the visuals with him is eventually in one of the last scenes with him and bell they just have them cosplaying in the costumes of disney's beauty and the beast in a dance scene because they're like hey in case you didn't get that rumpelstiltskin <laughs> is also the beast for Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Robert now Carlyle. Yeah, we, we got it. We got it. Thanks. Yeah, Robert we got Carlyle it. Robert Carlyle is his name. Robert Carlyle. Yeah. He, Carlyle. He's yep, awesome. He f- even he at his the full worst. Monty, where even- I was disappointed for the first and only time not to get full frontal on male nudity. Um, because <laughs> it was the entire point of the fucking movie. He, even, even at his anyway. worst in Once Upon a Time, he's still very watchable. In Once Upon a Time, because yeah. he's just such a good actor. But yeah, that show, oh, he's so good. that show just clung to like even if they mm. didn't mind wipe him, they would just start figuring out reasons for him to make idiotic decisions as a yep. character, so that he could continue <laughs> having. Yeah, it, it wasn't even undoing at this point. It was just like, like it would be one thing if it was we're going to undo his story arc and do it oh, again. He just changes his. They, yeah, his they just change the yeah. subject. So he'd be like, "Well, you we had the story to, arc, so we'll just do this- it again." And then we'll Back do it again. Dune a little bit, a little bit. If we <laughs> sorry, can. sorry. Once upon a time, no, no, I was no. Excited I, to talk about. <laughs> I love our. I, I love tangents and, and and like true talk. Like you guys. The are... The point fun. is, we need more weird shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and studio homo- 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 homogenization. 
Got it out. Uh, yeah. Is not helping on that case, and Dune is one of those rare gems that I'm just like... You know, there's that stack of movies that are just, like, weird and all by themselves, and they have, like, very specific fan bases, but I, like, I want to collect them. We, you know, I, I got Moore, more in my pocket for us uh, to keep Star- reviewing. Again, like, I find it weird that Star Wars is super well-known and that Dune is, like, disappeared? Yeah. I, I, no, I, like, I do get it. Star Wars is, like... Basic. More, uh, yeah, it's basic, it's like, easy to get. Uh, right, your hero's right journey, there. whereas, yeah, Dune try to get so much done. But you know what? Like, just the visual of the blue eyes and the way that it's not just that the iris itself is blue or that like the entire eye yeah. has kind of dyed blue, but that they're literally glowing blue. Mm-hmm. That is purely Dune. I've never seen that anywhere else. It was like a matted and, effect like, too. Like, ha. <sighs> <sighs> I love it. Yeah. I, I think so what's weird about Dune is like, like the way I put it, it's not even that like no one knows about Dune. It's like people know about Dune on a subconscious level. They know about its contributions, but no one, no one like actively connects Dune to any of that. Like people know Dune references. Absolutely. I think, I think a big problem is like, Dune is. like it's, hard to do a, it's hard to do yeah. an elevator pitch on why you should watch Dune. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're talking about like, you know, Star Wars being so popular and Dune not. And the bottom line is Star Wars is considerably more accessible than Dune is for a lot of the reasons yeah, yeah. That we've been talking about. And that's really the bottom line. You know, it is a weird, unusual movie. And, and for, for a lot of the reasons that make, you know, people really like Dune, the, the whole property, are the same reasons why it's not as popular as these other big things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, I you know, I think that's okay. And it's, hey, you know, it's popular enough to be getting new movies and miniseries. Yeah. So, and, that's, and, and I think, I think when I this hope. new push starts, I'm, I'm fingers crossed because this is the time to do it. Like, I think that's when someone can really, like, do the accessible intro to Dune. Yep. And just go like, hey, listen, this is a really cool movie you should check out. You gotta be in the right mood, and it's not a good movie movie. <laughs> it's a it's a really solid, like, it's 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 a glimpse into experimentation, but not on, like, an art house level. Yeah, I mean, it's- you're not you're not gonna have fun per se, <laughs> but you might appreciate hey. it. <laughs> Okay, yeah, friends, that's a hard we've talked pitch. about it three different times now, so at this point, like, we have to decide which one of us four is making this. What? Uh, Who has time? I don't I don't have time right now. I'm doing LSATs. I, I'm not... to convince people to watch I, Dune. I would oh. make people mad, because I haven't... I, I don't... I'm not deep enough into Dune. I would... It would be pretty yeah. obvious, like, five minutes in, like, wait a second, this guy doesn't even know what a... This guy doesn't even know who Leto 2 is. I'm he's, he's so called deep. Leto 2. <laughs> Leto, Leto 2. Leto 2. <laughs> All right, second, Keith, it's all second. yours. Um, I've tried and no one gives a shit. Um, yeah. Oh, no. like, the, 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 the elevator pitch on Star Wars is so perfect and easy that you can, yep. like, you don't have to, like, be a sci-fi or a geek to get it. If I start saying, so, it's so far into the future that technology's become old. And where are you guys going? No, no, this is human computers. Why aren't you guys listening to me anymore? So, <laughs> I've made, really, yeah. I just describe it as, uh, uh, sci-fi space opera. Yeah, but, like, heavy on the... But only on a desert. Yeah, stuff. but I think, you know, I think there's a fair amount of David Lynch fans out there, and even though he's not a huge fan of it, it's still pretty clearly a David Lynch movie. So oh, I, yeah. So I think you could say, like, oh, you like Twin Peaks? Why don't you check out Dune, you know? Yeah. Um, you, oh, you like the weird fetus in Eraserhead? Well, why don't you check out <laughs> Dune? We got a couple of those, too, you know? <laughs> hey, you want to stare at Sting shirtless, just, like, making weird eyebrow faces in a bunch of scenes? We got that, too. Honestly, oh, that's yeah, the so best... I know why. 
the best sell right there, Sabrina. You want to yeah. know why Harkonnen <laughs> was looking at his nephew all sexually? Uh, why? Or do you guys notice that? Wait, you, you're talking about the beast? That they were gross and sexual. Um, the, the, the fat guy with the boils and shit. And yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Sting walked yeah. in and Sting's Sting, like, yeah. But, like, that's his nephew. Um, Harkonnen has this weird uh, relationship with his nephew where he wants to be his nephew. Like, uh, Harkonnen uh, isn't, he, he isn't supposed to have boils. Like, he wants to be in his body? Um, he wants to, like, so he's, he's not supposed to have boils and stuff. He's supposed to be, like, um, that, the, the eunuch in, um, Game of Ver- Thrones. He's Varys? Be, like, yeah, Varys. Okay. He's supposed to be like that. That's the kind of character he is. He's super crazy smart and refined. And wow. he loves, you know, he's a gluttonous, like, he wants everything. And that's why he's fat, because he's like, he just loves everything. He wants to have it all. And it's made him overweight. But what he wants is to be, you know, he wants to have like, lots of sex, too. And and he wants to be like a cool guy adventurer, too. And his nephew is that. His nephew is everything physical he wants to be. And that's what's going through his emotions and feelings. Like uh, he is, he sees his nephew as I sexy. Wish I could you. But yeah, exactly. I want to be this guy so much. I think that came through rather well, actually. Now that you explain oh, it, yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah, that because like yeah, when he kind of what you were reading, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like yeah, when he uh, when Sting comes out of his steam bath and Harkonnen is staring at him and everything, it seems to be lusting after him because he's like, oh, you're mm-hmm. so perfect. Yep. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. He, he wants to be him. That makes total that makes total sense. Um also yeah, the guy playing Harkonnen, wow. He really chewed that scenery and I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. He's a crazy oh, pants yeah. man. He's a what? He's a, he's a lo- crazy pants man. Crazy pants man. He, he's a lot of fun to watch. Oh uh, my gosh, yes. I, I think I think the thing that I would be excited about in a modern dune is to see someone who can do those character bullet points, not with like necessarily more subtlety, but like a little bit more raw because there, there is an aspect of him where it's almost like it's like they, they, they took that character in this film and then like he, he's, he's more, how do you put it? He seems less vile and a little bit more like, because people might not get it. Let's just make him also like kind of gay. Okay. And, and and it, 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 that, that bit like ages a bit poorly when, when I come off of it and I, I look up his character bio and they're like, yeah, he doesn't actually really care. He's like, He's yep. just a he's a gluttonous rapist. He doesn't yeah. really care about what he gluttons or rapes. And I'm like, right. yeah, there's I a take everything. There's a version of that character in a modern telling that I think could be really like straight up horrifying in a in a uh, mm-hmm. you know a uh, how do you put this a fictionally visceral. yeah visceral in a fictionally digestible way that like mm-hmm. cuts right into you. Whereas this one like he's fun to watch, but it's like that also yeah. is like a, a sort of hard ceiling. On I hate being grossed out. I hate being grossed Oof. out. I've never yeah, the, enjoyed the that. boils. Not God. necessary. Yeah, yeah. And he just seems to like getting. Everything. He just seems to enjoy getting juices on himself and on other Ugh. people. <laughs> yeah, like the scene with the heart plug. Yeah. Um, the scene where he pulls out the heart plug is actually before they ever out loud say that it's a heart plug. So my roommate was real confused. I didn't he's just know like, what wait, happened. So he pulled the thing out of his chest, and now there's blood, and he's dying. I guess. I gotta say that actor for having no lines in his only direction being like, just cower from this dude until he kills you. Did a killer job. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely uh, agree. Also, what, what, what did Harkonnen, f- what was the, the gunk he flew under before he went and killed him? What was I that? Don't, I, I do not. <laughs> it was like, not was in like the oil? I remember. Soy sauce? I think. <laughs> the, <laughs> I, I, I like the sauce. way, I like the way this movie has like the different 
uh, cultures. They're very divergent from each other. Mm. Um, the Bene Gesserits in the desert and um, the the Fremen versus the behavior of um, the Harkonnen family, uh, of Harkonnen's family, whatever, uh, like his entire kind of like group of people yeah. were very disparate, but they all had the same kind of like oily energy yeah um and meanwhile like the house of atreides is this more like 18th century british naval kind of uh feeling yeah um and they're just like very distinct from each other and despite the fact that they actually occupy like the same set at some points uh when it comes to the atreides and the harkonnen like different people being in control of the uh the center of arrakis um like their sets feel different Mm-hmm. And the behavior of everybody in each culture, it feels homogenous in a way. Um, like, there's that chivalric, like, aha, you must practice your sword fighting at all times with Patrick Stewart. <laughs> and, uh... Um, moods are for kettle like, and love play. Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, I, it, It's so... They're, they're so disparate from each other and very much, like, have their own identities. And it's easy to, like... It, <laughs> Maybe it's just because I knew the movie really well, but it was easy for me to just track who belonged to which house based on, like, the way that they behaved and looked. Because mm-hmm. I did oh, yeah. not remember anybody's name. Totally. Yeah, I had to look um, up the IMDb even when people got named. Like, when Fade and What's-His-Name walked in, I was like, I actually couldn't understand what he just said. I, I need to go look up who they... I know one, I know one of them Fade and Yeah, Raban, where I was like, I was like, okay, who's... I know that's Sting, but who's this other guy? And then I couldn't find his name on IMDb because they listed the mm-hmm. name credits weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it took um, me like 10 that's minutes. A, in Dune shitposting groups, uh, the meme for that line is, bring in Fade and Raban! And then, like, you show a picture of any duo, and, like, so, like, <laughs> you'll have a meme where someone goes, bring in Fade and Raban! And you'll see Jane, Saul, and Bob show up. Batman <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. and Robin. Yep. Um, and also, like, uh, Balkan Skull. If, if you guys, uh, you guys are listeners, you guys want to know more about Dune, there's this YouTube channel called Quinn's Ideas. And, like, he has, he'll go deep on, like, um, what the cultures of each of these, like, uh, places are like. Like, um, I th- the people all in black, I'm pretty sure, they're, they're, they're those, that's a spacing guild. But the where all the technology comes from is um, the Ixians. And they're, like, this is one big planet of technology where, like, the Emperor and everybody in the universe is like, hey, hey, you guys are making all the technology, this is awesome. You guys are making computers, though, right? And then they're like, you know, basically like the whole planet is a computer. Oh, like, boy. no, no, we're not doing that. What's never. a computer? Eyes shifting. <laughs> you guys want technology though, right? Uh, okay, we'll look the other way again. Is, you want force fields uh, or not? <laughs> yeah, that's how the universe works. All you like, dust- you want spaceships? All you, all you spice heads, you all want fancy microphones so people can understand what you're saying or not? Yep. <laughs> Ix. That's my favorite planet. That's a, yeah. that that's actually part of the draw of that board game that we brought up at the beginning is that as far as I understand it maybe you can confirm but like uh-huh. it lets it lets you really get into those other houses without like cuz that the the movie at least until the middle point almost makes you think that there's only two houses in this empire and everyone's either part of the two houses or is just watching them Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh and and that game is like I think it's like five or six factions at this point like there's an expansion they got coming out that's right. Yeah, they they are, um, and that's, nice. that's absolutely right. You you get a lot more into all the houses, um, and and yeah, like I mean, I, I understand that the you know the movie is a book, etc. But yeah, the the board game came out um, before the movie, but 
Another fun board game fact. I think that they did a re-release of it, or they tried to, with Sting on the cover. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do I get to I play mean, that's, that's how you get books to be picked up again after they have movies. You yep. put the movie characters, actors on the book. So, I mean, if you're going to remake this game, put Sting on it. Absolutely. He's um, walking around in, like, a uh, Speedo with a weird, like, bird thing attached <laughs> to the front of it. Yeah. For some of it. My, I mean, like, my Sting notes are uh, all caps Sting. And then Sting, yep. and then Sting <laughs> is so cool. And then holy yes. crap Sting. Right, like for such a small part, that guy just beams off the screen. He has like Ugh. two li- two lines maybe, and one of them is just cackling. Most of the time, he's just like smiling suspiciously, and it's great. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I, love, I love how they built him up so much, and he just gets owned so hard. Yeah. <laughs> Shouting into the, the tile, um, he gets owned so hard, and he spends so much time. He's literally going like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna kill you." Hey, you're thinking about how I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, I got knives coming out of my clothes. Audiences thought he was going to be the main character, and a lot of people were disappointed because he's all over the posters, and he looks so cool, but mm, yeah, no. he's there to get <laughs> He doesn't have any lines. Nope. It, was, it, was, it was a good wharf sell for Paul. You know, like the class, like you build up a wharf, and then mm. you make Paul look really good because Paul just like, you know, steps on him basically, right. and then goes like, Ugh! and then he gets like pushed into the floor. He fusro does uh, after, <laughs> yeah. after I, he sticks I, I a knife into his say. brain, he fusro does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like, knife first, then fusro After the fusro the one guy goes, Moa Deeb, as if he said, holy shit. It was really funny. Yeah, I like that too. Oh, yeah, that, reaction yeah, that was, was a great mom. moment. Um, Max von Sydow, I thought, was, uh, was really great. And he had Hell yeah. a line that really stuck out to me, which is, urine and feces are processed yes. in the thigh pads. <laughs> Another favorite mean. <laughs> she chews on those words real. Maxwell Sidow is, nah, is nah. a guy who can say anything. And so, like, that, like that's probably, that's a pinnacle Maxwell Sidow moment. Is like, you can get him to say urine and feces is processed in the thigh pads. And you're just like, I agree. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yeah, he said that. I'm like, no, no, no. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So casual. So casual, Max. But, mm-mm. Hold on. <laughs> I mean... You live in the desert. You can die very easily. You got to be casual about that stuff, you know. I mean, you're, yeah, no, you're. It's going back into your body. You're absolutely right, and that is how he would say it because that's how we're. That's how they are surviving. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Another fun game um, fact. Oh, you go first, Bree. That suit is an excellent example of just like how much I I love the detail in the world building where uh, he offers them two new suits. And meanwhile, his is just like yes. the dirt is caked in there. Yep, it's yep, a yep. completely different color. Later on, uh, they they like red the uh, upper portions of the the suits specifically for Paul's like honor guard. Um, Paul's suit gets more weathered as it like after it skips the two years, and just like the way that he moves in his suit changes, and he moves and behaves more like the Fremen. It's just. Great job. That's awesome. Those suits are, are also just really cool. Like, yep. Uh, yeah. Not not just not just like cool in Dune, but like those are just friggin' cool designs with really cool lore of what they do. Like it's such a beautiful, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful way to like, it, like you said, in, with world building in as as few mm-hmm. words as possible and quite visual. Even with Max von Sydow explaining at length how the suit works, I think it was as few words as possible. They're like, this is how anyone is alive on this planet. Yep. Full stop. There yep. you go. <laughs> You want one of these? Oh, but it's gross to... Or die. I mean, it's up to you. <laughs> Water like, discipline. How, how does it work, though? It's like, well, your pulse and walking around works the pumping mechanism. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a fun game <laughs> fact is that Dune, also like the birth of so many things we love, is also the start of the RTS gaming genre. Oh. Yep. 
That yeah. game got uh-huh. that game got stepped on historically, like not yep. stepped on historically, but it, like Red Alert takes all the credit that Dune started. Yep. Yeah, like uh, all like the things you're used to seeing in RTSs, like how you select your stuff and junk and the UI and whatnot, started on a Dune game that no one really knows exists. Yeah. Um, now there, I know there was what was it was on PC and Genesis because I, I know there was a Genesis one. Um, yep, I'm I'm trying to find the the one image of that game I always remember from magazines is like this monk dude looking at you. Yeah, I always. Found it. <laughs> Thank you, internet. I always wanted that game for the Genesis, and I just I just never picked it up for some reason. I did, would it still be worth playing today? Have any Have any of us played it? I have nope. not. I, I just do RTSs. <laughs> I just know this this monk this monk dude. Oh, yup, that's that classic image. There he is, beautiful with, with those eyebrows. Oh, and like I'm pretty sure it has uh, full motion video cutscenes with like actual actors because I'm pretty sure Sala from uh, Indiana Jones is in it somewhere. Oh, nice. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, I think I. Sorry, I'm in Google Image. I gotta not do this. I'm, I might get a, a screamer if I keep going through this. <laughs> <laughs> Look up for crawl spaces. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing I'm running out of my notes. Oh, well, one thing. Um, a character that you don't, you could, you barely notice, but he's like the most important character in Dune is Duncan Idaho. Um, that dude felt like there was a lot cut out of that dude's. Yes. Story because like the movie kept implying yeah, to me he's important yeah. and yes. he's like he's barely in it and then he dies in a super weird kind of creep ass way. He's yeah. supposed to be the coolest fucking dude in the universe ever ever. Like um he's supposed to be even cra- more than Paul. Oh yeah, he's crazy handsome. He's a great sword fighter. He's a master tactician and he dies every story. <laughs> oh no, uh, he's the Kenny. Oh, he's the Kenny of the Dune universe. He dies oh, every hilarious. story. Um. And then, like, he gets resurrected as a golem. Oh. Um, a golem. No, Duncan. It's called a gola. A gola. Yeah, he gets resurrected as a gola. What's a gola? Um, a gola right, is, a, is a clone, basically. And sometimes the clone has the memories of the previous Duncans. Because there's lots of So that's of how them. he keeps dying. Oh, no. Yeah, he's he keeps coming back. For, he, like, there's been, like, for thousands and thousands of years, Duncans keep coming back. In, oh, in that's so sad. Killed. Yeah. Uh. It's like Highlander. Highlander, there can be only one, but in reverse. Like, there's only one of us at a time. There's really only one of us. We're just grinding out a copy every time one of them dies. It's the same person. Kind of. Sometimes. Sometimes Sometimes he's the main character. Sometimes he's not. The end of time is going to be Worm Dude and a Duncan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, the Worm Dude loves his Duncans and kills them. And then he needs another one because he's like, I'm not going out... Round without a Duncan, so he gets another one. Seriously? Oh my god! Yes. Wow. Do the Duncans yeah. lose fidelity as they're remade? That's just like nope. that's just wow. That's just an abusive relationship. It really is there. terrible. If I were Duncan, yeah, because like get eventually, like a Duncan, they're they're the, the, one of the smartest fuckers ever, and eventually, like the Duncan, would be like, wait a second, this worm guy's an asshole. <laughs> Holy shit! I could probably try to kill him, and since the worm guy can like run the probability of everything he's usually ready for duncan and duncan's like i have to do this i know you do squash oh no <laughs> i know Call- you have to try anyway <laughs> <laughs> then he calls up Bye. calls up the exians hey um can you make me another one? Oh no thanks and then yeah duncan idaho Sorry. that's why he's been played by uh jason momoa oh oh 
Okay. Jason yeah, Momoa is totally a guy who's who's smart and awesome and a superhero who also constantly dies. That is a perfect casting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. At first, before I watched Stargate Atlantis, I was like, oh god, because like I, I was I I didn't like Jason Momoa. Like I thought he was way overrated and he wasn't that cool. To and, be clear, um, at this point, you had seen him in Game of Thrones and yeah, didn't uh, like him there. Anything else? Game of Thrones. Uh, I seen him in Aquaman. commercials for Atlantis. Oh, by by time of Aquaman, I started liking him. Oh, um, but then, okay. like, I saw he was cast. So this in is like Idaho. Conan time. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Conan, I watched that. Didn't like him there. Um, I forgot so, he was in Conan. Holy crap! Then I, I saw know. him get cast as Duncan Idaho, the coolest guy ever. So I'm like, oh, okay, I guess. Uh, oh wait, <laughs> uh, and why? now, now, holy shit! Yes. He is such a good Duncan Idaho. I, huh, he'll be great. Excellent. Yeah, there's not much. Excellent. Yeah, but if we get beyond the first, if we get beyond the first book, then we get to see Duncan Idaho do cool stuff. Yeah, but man, Ronan is basically a baby Duncan Idaho, from what you tell me. So, yep. Uh, it's gonna be great. It's yeah. gonna be great. I'm excited. Um, yeah. I speaking of the the coming series, I kind of really hope that they stick to that super unusual way of doing the blue eyes. Um, it's a, it's te- a small detail. Technology-wise, like technology it, it should be really easy to do now that, that like, yeah. <clears throat> there's there's consumer editing software that can motion track eyes specifically. Right. Uh, so it I should mean, be very doable. As long as they don't get too carried away, like, as long as they just make the eyes look like that, it should be real simple to do. Yeah. For the movie, though, it was a mm. massive pain in the ass. Oh, because they um, had to, to be hand- in, They had right? to recolor it by hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'd be like hand keyframing, basically. Like, Jeez. that's why I was so impressed by it. Totally. <laughs> and now, now we have zoom uh, filters that do that. There's a woman named Rafaela Delorento. Uh, she's the producer wow. of this movie, and she was talking about, like, how she was like, hey, man, if you want glowing eyes, we got that for you. We will, we'll make it happen. Like, but and she's like, uh, but now, oh my god! It's in so she she was like really shocked or a little frustrated how easy it is now that you can like do it with a snap of your fingers. But like for them, it costs like she's lots. Like we're of used money to painstakingly work. paint every frame individually <laughs> with a paintbrush yeah. um, and semi-transparent paint. Then okay. later, uh, she get, she did that really young, and she was like, "Oh wow, man! Like the ignorance of youth. I didn't know that I was the first woman ever to." produce a, a movie of this scale like no one had yeah. ever come close to the job she'd done uh, mm-hmm. up to that point and like everyone loved her she uh she was the only person that everybody on set was like thank god she's here like she's made this a great experience uh except for oh, the af- yeah after it was done um except for that david editing lynch, shenanigan yep david lynch was like Rafaela, god bless her i love her oh my god but after that that was just a nightmare experience but yeah Hmm. Excellent. You know, I've been he, uh, I've been noticing that in a lot of different like pioneer interviews I've seen, like, um, uh, like the first whatever of their field that they're like, listen, I was just like doing the thing that I yep. wanted to do and living my life, and <laughs> I happened to be interested in something that somebody else hadn't managed to succeed in yep. because whatever stood in their way, and I happened to succeed, and then people were like, you're the first thing to do anything. And I was like, I was just trying to do my thing, but thank you. Yep. <laughs> so, he's like, he's like, I'm, I, was, I was just doing my job. What? That was so special? Everyone at home who's wondering if they're ever going to do anything special, just do your thing. Mm-hmm. Forget it. Mm, just yeah. do your thing. Nice. That's, Don't worry about that's it. That's great advice. Uh, I have to take it now. <laughs> <laughs> Live it. I got, I got, Step forward. 
I got one last bullet point, which is Baby Patrick Stewart watch report. Oh, yes, uh, very good. I, I gotta say, I understand I keep calling him Baby Patrick Stewart when he was in his 40s, but, like, that, you know, that's still Baby Patrick Stewart. Uh, hmm. So By coincidence, two podcasts in a row, we have Baby, Baby Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yep, and, and in this one, once again... Coincidence? I think not. Oh, once again, we've got stage presence Patrick Stewart. He was cast perfectly mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. he still can't not be loud. But <laughs> that that just means they got to make him, you know, the military advisor. Then it completely fits mm-hmm. together. But uh, yeah, as soon as he walked in, I was like, well, that's real funny. He's carrying a funny looking thing. It's already a good start. And then he just gets right to it. You know, he's first line. It's like volume 10 compared to the rest of the room. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Yeah. He still hasn't got used to. Oh yeah. Yep. I'm here to park orders at you. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> hit those back rows. Well, Mood like, is for Cadron love play. Dr. <laughs> Yui and, and the Mentat dude are, and, and uh, Kyle McLaughlin, they're all kind of speaking normally, a little bit weird, but normally like, yeah, and we got to do this. And then Patrick Stewart, yes. And also, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> Uh, I sh- also, it's not a critique. It's not a bad thing. It's just I think it's kind of fun to listen to because you know, like we said with Life Force, it's, it, it's Patrick Stewart when he was still very stage and not very screen before uh, he was Patrick Stewart. Yeah, and so he's he's projecting no matter what happens. But he's also perfect for this because it is like a very Shakespearean kind of sci-fi. Hell yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's very much like this person came over and they killed my father and they took my throne and now I'm going to get my throne back, but by becoming a surprise folk hero, I I'm fucking up the story and we should look it up sometime, but I think he was cast by accident actually. Yep. Um, Patrick Stewart was cast by. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Like, like there's like a, maybe like a, I'm messing up the story. It, it should be looked up to find out for sure. But there's like a interesting way of like, I think like he showed up on set when he wasn't supposed to. And what? they're like, Oh, Oh, all right, yeah, it's you. And then uh, also, he had no idea who Sting was. So yeah. there was like he had like a, he has interesting stories of when like st- like some guy would come up and like Sting, that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's a musician or something. Was Patrick Stewart's fun stories of oh being gosh. on set. Um, speaking of uh, musicians, I have I have I think one last note here. Uh, Toto. Mm-hmm. Toto did the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. Every time I see that, I'm surprised. Like, and he just does like it does, but they did an excellent job. They did a great job, a phenomenal job. And I, I'm listening to this. And there are several places. I'm sorry. There are several places where it's just the music is what's keeping you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did, it, and that's that's one of the reasons. I mean, I look. I I enjoy Toto as much as the next person. You know, I I love singing. <laughs> Africa horribly in karaoke. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, yeah, it's like every time, like, yeah, when the credits were rolling, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Toto! Um, yeah, I think it's, I just think that's awesome. And I think, uh, I think it's a good lesson in regard to um, artists, whether they be writers, actors, musicians, getting pigeonholed. Like, oh, you know, Toto, they're musicians, yep. they just do this. This actor, they're a character actor, they only do this kind of role. Like, well, give people a chance, maybe they'll surprise you. Yep, uh, David Lynch talked about that. He was, like, saying... Uh, I met with uh, was his name Brian or something? Uh, the guy in Toto. The lead. Oh, I met with. He 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 met with Toto and he's like, this guy is a genius. Okay, he's a genius. But uh, what happened to him was, yeah, he he made it big doing a certain kind of thing, and he didn't get to do other things. And I gave him a chance to do something else, and he made an amazing, amazing magical score. Yeah, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so I think that that's something you you can you take that one to the bank as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, really. 
I used to listen uh, last summer while reading Three Body Problem. Drink. Um, I would listen to the Dune sound. I would listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> I, would, I, would be, I would drink tea, read Three Body Problem, drink again, and listen to the Dune soundtrack. And like, yeah, that soundtrack just. And I don't listen to soundtracks ever, but that took me away. It just swept Dude, me away. I was listening to the Dune soundtrack the other day while I was working. It's just great work music. Hmm. Oh yeah. Great meditation music. Totes. I think so do we, need to, um, do we have any more notes that we want to go through, or do we still want to go around the table and do some final thoughts? Um, I think I've got, I think we covered basically everything I noted. Yeah, I think I'm all good. I got my Patrick Stewart report in. That's uh, that the big thing. <laughs> yeah, let me just throw out a Lady Jessica is amazing and wonderful, and uh, she's great. And uh, her daughter is super creepy, but like my favorite character. Lady Jessica is amazing, and she'll be becoming a more important character in the movie. Um, I think we see a lot of the story from her point of view, which will make her a more of a main character in the movie. So, if you like Lady I Jessica, so. we're getting more Lady Jessica. She's, like, clearly extremely strong. Oh, that's another thing that I'm looking forward to, seeing how they do the 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 voice. Because mm. mm-hmm. um, that's an effect that, like, the, the vocal effects for that, there's a very specific way that we do those now, like the demonic voices mm-hmm. and the like, Bob, head shaking kind of uh, voices. And I, they're not like they were in this movie. And I wonder if they're going to be like that or like it's popular to do right now or if they're going to do something entirely new. We shall see. I got, I got one other one I want to throw out there is uh, <laughs> uh, original, I guess, G1 Lido. Uh <laughs> The, the, you know, the, the nice guy emperor, not emperor, nice guy duke. Duke? Um, mm-hmm. Duke Leto. He, I, he was, for, for a character type that usually would be kind of, kind of one note because he's there to die. Um, I thought he was a really, like, pleasant character performance to watch. Mm-hmm. Agree. Uh, the scene he's where really he's, good. he's getting the miners out of there before the worm shows up, I was like, this is actually a really nice way to build up this dude as, like, a good person. Uh, and I felt awful for him that that he basically is dead because this doctor had the worst revenge plan anyone has ever come <laughs> up with. Just uh, really horrible. I'm going to make sure everyone dies because I got to put this tooth in your mouth. Okay, now don't. Okay, the tooth. Bite it and exhale really hard, and you're going to breathe poison. But dude has to be really close to you, and I'm really sure he will be. So it's all going to work out. And the one thing Harkonnen does is back away. And I'm like, I'm like, what the? Oh man! Oh, Almost come got on, him. man! Almost got him. Like I was imagining, like Leto, if he hadn't been drugged, like through his drug fugue, I was hoping his mental track would have just been like, Doctor Yui, this is a terrible idea. This is really stupid. Why <laughs> would they ever be in that one very specific precarious position where I could exhale poison in their face? There's no way this will go wrong. See, Trust this me. is this is what happened when when Dean Stockwell doesn't have Ziggy. <laughs> I didn't. Know, I also, I double took when I saw that was Dean Stockwell. Same. That, yeah, that dude he chameleoned. So he chameleoned into that. Yeah, also he was a baby, but he, he chameleoned into he that really role. Did. He really did. Uh, there are quite a, a bit of interesting, like hair and beard pieces. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, the eyebrows. The eyebrows. I, I love. I love the eyebrows. The mentat. Oh, yeah. The mentats. I, I thought like were really uh, solid at at telling or you know telling through showing. And like, you know, mm-hmm. a, little, a little brief aside, because it's like, yeah, they all got weird eyebrows and like weird red lower lips and they're all kind of off to some degree. Stained uh, lips. 
yeah. Like, it, that, that part super worked for me. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I thought it was kind of weird that, like, like I, he was one of those plot lines that was what you could call, as somebody who liked the trippiness, that was sort of a casualty of the trippiness, is, like, he's there, and they keep doing stuff, they keep telling him to milk a cat, but, like, I never really, I never caught on to what was up with him by the end. Like, in the final scene, he's kind of just chilling, staring at the ceiling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was assuming he was kind of messed up from whatever the 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 Harkonnens were doing to him, but yeah, I really don't know what happened there at the end of the story. <laughs> did he milk the cat? I mean, like, did he- and why? Why did I, the- oh, I don't uh, know. Yeah. That seemed like a torture. I think it was a torture. Right. Why did Why did the and cat? Also, why was there a rat? Thank you. To the cat? Yes, that was my question. <laughs> How else are you going to milk a cat? <laughs> Good point. What? <laughs> No, now it's explained. What? <laughs> but did the cat have kittens recently? Are they actually talking about milk? Because the way that cat was like tied up into that machine, I don't think it was. Oh no! I don't no, understand that's... anything about that entire scene. I just felt very disconcerted for both the cat, the rat, and the uh, the doctor. The, cat, the okay. cat, the rat, and the mentat. Hmm? Exactly. <laughs> nice. Well, the, the, the that's what the rat's for, basically. Like, it, it, the, the usually in a situation, yeah, you need kittens. But when you have a rat, as long as you have your, as long as you got your cat in that harness, right, and you have a rat on a string nearby, then all you got to do is like your basic thing. It's like the three seashells. Everyone knows how it works. It gets the milk to come out of the the cat. Because otherwise, ah. otherwise you're getting maternal milk. But in this case, you need the right. the antiviral milk, right? Because you got to deal with yeah. that poison they put in you. And the heart slot is how you make sure that you get a proper feed between the rat and the cat to mm-hmm. milk it properly. Sounds right. Yes. You did it. Also, the hard plugs, just uh, from somebody who's read the wiki and or books, um, what is the use of the hard plugs aside from just, like, I could kill you at any time and I want you to know that? I think that's it. I, I think totally you know it's that. on the head. Is that it? Okay. <laughs> it's purely just, like, a controlled through fear device? All right. That's how I took it. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I installed this that's thing. That's certainly so I the impression I got from the film. Yeah. Yeah, because then, like, the slave was like, uh, and I was like, how is he going to hurt you? Like, he's literally not carrying anything. And then he just undid the thing and pulled it out and was like, oh, I see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you should have been scared for your life there. Um, That's totally fair. I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Whoops. I've been like, maybe you should next time you go in there. I mean, you know, when you reboot. Just leave immediately? Yeah, or wear a shirt. Like. There you go. If he can't get it. I don't think they're allowed. Probably not. There's your problem. You got to, you got to get your union together. You gotta get your slave union together so you can. Make That's sure. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. The heart plugs are fine. The cat milking is fine. But honestly, <laughs> get your regulations in order, you bunch of <laughs> slack offs. Like crying out loud. Crying <laughs> out right. loud. Oh. Final words, right? We get we ready for this. Let's do it. Yep. All right, um, Matt. Are you ready? I'm I'm ready. Am I going first? All right, here we go. Yes, please. Um, wow, wow. We've gone through so much about this film uh, today. the The bottom line is is that I really I, I while I wasn't fully entertained while I was watching it, I really appreciate it for what it was and what it was trying to do. And I think a lot of what we talked about is they were just trying to fit too much stuff into too small of a package, um, and that by its very nature, made it a difficult story to tell. So, um, did I find it a little bit boring? Um, yeah, I did. I, I paused it a few times, wandered around, and did other things. But do I, uh, you know, appreciate it as a movie and a work of art and something that was trying to do something different? Yes, I do. Cool. How's that? So there, there we nice. go. That was good, man. Mr. Vangelis. Yeah. Words. 
I think it is highly watchable. Uh, I, I think it's it's way better than I was expecting. Uh, its reputation is understandable, but as time goes on, I feel growingly unearned. I think it's a great artifact of its time. Uh, I think the first hour is paced well enough that you kind of don't have an excuse to not be able to to watch it if you're watching a lot of other you know longer or more episodic stuff. Uh, and, and I would encourage anyone to watch it if you want to be able to say you're stretching your legs also as to the stuff that you're taking in. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's worth your time uh, where, where I would say like life force, for instance, is a movie that like, if someone just said, I think this movie was kind of bad. I'd be like, no, nah, I get you. I get you with Dune. I'd be, if they said, I thought this movie was kind of bad. I'd be like, I understand, but can we talk about some of the concepts though? Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. the, the trippiness is high, still very unique. Uh, you know, we went on about it, but like, it's got a lot of qualities that some of which we have seen in time as, as time's gone on. Some of which we've, we've, I think lost to time that I think someone should start trying to, trying to improve and reapply. Uh, mm. it's well worth your time if you're into, into anything sci-fi. Um, or if, if you're into experimental filmmaking, any of that, like it's, it's, uh, it isn't like good on the back of all of that, but I think <laughs> it is important on the back of all of that. Um, and, and in the, in the canon of couch command, I would say of, of all the films we have talked about, <laughs> it is the best one. All of the films. Oh, the many, many. <laughs> Three. In the history. Yeah, I would agree. Of this podcast. Couch command. Yeah. And Sabrina, what are your thoughts? Um, watch Dune. Uh, the way to watch this movie, consider the first part to be the first movie, and then the second part is what happens when somebody tells you to condense two movies into 30 minutes. There it is. Hell yeah! Hmm. <laughs> um, with that in mind, it's beautiful, visually distinct uh, native groups, or, or not native groups, as it turns out, a, a lot of themes about, like, parasitic capitalism, uh, just a lot of, like, classic sci-fi things, like Sand dunes and folding time to travel between two points. Um, the creature that folds time we didn't really talk about, but that thing is is weird. A navigator. I loved it. It's, it had- it's it's a very interesting interesting visual. I would describe as um, this might be inappropriate for the podcast, but if you, a breathing vagina, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like it's like a it's like a fetus with vaginas for mouths. Yeah. Um, That's how I would describe it. I guess while we're there, uh, like, and it brings out like the it brings adjusted. out orange, and it used to be a human or human looking, right? Oh yeah, Ooh, it used oh, to be the, human. Uh, mutate over Jesuits. time to be yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, mutate over time Beautiful. become since there's no computers in this universe, um, you need a specifically mutated uh, mintat ish type thing to calculate the jump point. So we use organic uh, navigators like this who don't have penises, and then. The Bene Gesserits make fun of him because he doesn't have one, and then he grumbled in his little tank. Was a scene in one of the books. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The books get weird. Uh, Cool. Uh, (laughs) Wow. Um, I want to see one of those things. If you want to see some, like, if you want to see some early early careers of, like, people you're surprised during this movie, like, you know, Patrick Stewart or, like, Kyle. it's so fun. I don't know. Oh, that Kyle. Uh, this is like a Kyle I've never seen. This is Kyle McLaughlin who should have had a a leading role career but didn't get it. Yeah. Yes. Like that hair. Should have. Yep. That hair was intense. Super intense. Super great. Mm-hmm. Um. Just realize that you can't. Once you pass that first hurdle, you can't rely on like 
understanding the plot's motivations. At some point, the plot is just going to be told right to you because they don't have time and they got to move on. Mm. Yeah. Totally. So the pacing is incredibly frustrating in the second half, and it's certainly missing a bunch because, again, it's like two movies got condensed into half an hour. Mm. But if you want to see something while you're like, uh, winding down from a long day and you're not quite sober in whatever fashion you prefer <laughs> and you just feel like watching some like atmospheric sci-fi, this is the movie for you. Hell yeah. Agreed. Nice. Also, I going to say, if you're, if you're out there and you're going to be like, I'm, I'm going to watch my 14th or 15th hate watch movie I don't like, like, and you haven't seen something like, you haven't seen Dune or Star Trek The Motion Picture and you're down with all that kind of stuff to the point where you want to hate watch bad ones... Friggin' uh, get on your homework and and watch some actual like discussable worthwhile stuff. Definitely, definitely nice. <laughs> Just if you miss those eighties sci-fi, something weird is going on aesthetics. This is also <laughs> yeah. Um, my final thoughts Keep. are um, so yeah. If if you're looking for something perfectly alien, like um, I love this movie so much because everything about like the visual style doesn't feel like anything else and it really does mm-hmm. suck me away to a different world that I just never seen before and don't feel like I've seen since it feels real and sincere I like right with like that that like it sounds like a violin going and you see her face and that that unique star field behind her it's just it takes you away but be ready and it's okay if you don't get it like I think that <laughs> um, you should be ready to be possibly bored. And very confused, but you just have to, you know, just go with it, like as if it's like a symphony being played. Just like you don't, don't be have surprised, to don't be surprised if you don't get the plot the first or second or third time around. <laughs> yeah, and also it moves real fast. Yeah, and also if if you're looking to get into something like, uh, like I said, this is my journey because um, there's like weird memes going around, like saying all science fiction sucks. All science fiction doesn't make sense. All those details you thought you saw in Star Wars, Keith, they never existed. <laughs> like, no, I'll prove you wrong. I'm going to do a <laughs> universe. And like, and like, it's a, if you're looking for a rabbit hole, it is such a fun one to fall down. Like mm-hmm. you start at the movie and you see all the weirdness. And then if you want to dive a little deeper and fall the way down, you'll see where the weirdness came from and you'll cherish it even more like the world is amazing actually can can i throw out a recommendation because i think i think actually the modern era is an even better time to watch this film because you got two mm-hmm. different cuts that you can check out and i think that if you want to just check this thing out and it's already sounded like ah and you, and you know I'm, I'm yelling at you to do your homework you grab the theatrical cut <laughs> you, you you get it going and you get a couple wiki pages open on a tablet in front of you uh Treat it academically. It actually was really fun for me to like watch the film and then like hit pause every now and then go like, oh, I want to. I actually don't know whose name I just heard. I'm just gonna go check that or like, oh, that's odd. This actor. I'm just gonna check this. Like it was really fun as like an an academic exercise. Uh, hmm. and and a, you know that plus taking in the the trippiness of it, it was it was it was fun as a project almost more so than just like sitting down to watch a movie. And I, I think that's where a lot of its value can come from is like as more so uh. Uh, uh, an endeavor uh, for the evening than just like I'm a gonna... philosophical investigation into the history of science fiction. Yeah, or even yeah. Just, even just like <laughs> this movie itself, it's just such a story, and like knowing the story while you watch it, I think makes it even more fun. Um, um, go if you, yeah, if you're looking to do that, um, and you just want like a great evening, get yourself a nice bottle of wine and light a candle. Go to Quinn's Ideas. It's a YouTube channel where. 
Uh, he hasn't gotten off through all the books yet, but like he will, he makes these kind of like visual novels that last for an hour and a half that go through all the plot points, details, and like sometimes stops on like philosophical passages to meditate on them and talk about them. And like, you'll see all of like this art from fans and official art throughout time. And it's just a beautiful, like uh YouTube channel of learning more about like the planets, the, the cultures and, all like the technology and weirdness of Dune. So there's a lot of love out there. All right. Is that it for all of us? It's it for me. Mm. I think so. Cool. Matthew Schrader. If I can use your last name, it's too late now. I've already done it. Um, <laughs> where, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Ah, well, um, I am part of a comedy group called uh, The Armory Comedy. Uh, You can find us on thearmorycomedy.com. And uh, normally we have things like live sketch shows and improv and stuff like that. But obviously those are all on Zoom right now. But uh, yeah, so I'm doing that still. And uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Doc Falconer. And Sabrina, where can we find more of you on the internet? You can find me at Void Cat Gaming on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Mr. Vangelis, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Yo, class, is uh, check me out mm-hmm. on that Vangelis on the internet. Yeah, Vangelis Central, Vangelis Reviews on YouTube, uh, Vangelis on Twitter, Vangelis Central on Instagram and Facebook, uh, WTF.TFW2005.com if you want some Transformers podcasting. Uh, mm-hmm. that YouTube also has a bunch of podcasting in it, but, uh, that, that, those Twitter is where I'm yelling the most, but I'm, I'm floating on all those platforms. Twitter, Instagram, probably the easiest spots to hit me up. If you want me to tell you to do your homework. Cool. Uh, if you're going to look for my stuff, you look for Keith justice on Instagram and Twitch. Look up Keith Hayward, Keith justice Hayward. You can find me on the Facebooks and a very boring Twitter page. And you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. <laughs> Cool. Thank you guys for listening to the Couch Command podcast, and we will see you next time on the other side. Take it easy. See you on the other side. See ya. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. 
Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.